streaming live around the world, this is Paper Cuts with Brad and Jay. We'll just get this out of the way here. Thanks for joining us on Brad's show. Yeah, thanks for coming to my show. You I did not say shenanigans. <laughs> okay. Are you, are you drinking already? No, I've just got water. Just got water. <laughs> Always looking smooth, aren't you? Yeah, I, I do. It. I try to clean up for the show. Look, one of us has to. Come on. Joining us tonight from Weird Punk Books, welcome Sam Richard. We are live. Yes, we are. Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Paper Cuts. My name is Jay. That's Brad. Enough about us. Brad, it feels so good. I have power. Yeah, Jay. I, you I, I, I was all over. I was all over Twitter. You know, complaining about no power this week. So I mean, this feels good. I, I had to pay somebody off to make sure we had power for this show. I mean, um, the show's that important. It is that important. Yeah. So with us tonight, friend of the show. This dude was guest number two way back in season one. It seems like forever ago. It was like about a year ago that we were about talking off ago. the air, right? A year, a year ago, ago tomorrow. Season one. This dude was guest number two. So he's back for more. He's the owner of Weird Punk Books. He also writes his own shit every now and then. Everyone give it up for Sam Richard. What's going on, Sam? Thank you so much for having me. How y'all doing? Big, good, big, serious question for you. Just to start this <laughs> off, to, to, right to, to, to start, start the mood, okay? Serious <laughs> for a second. Yeah. Last year, when I convinced you to be on the show... Did you think we would gain the steam and popularity that we did <laughs> and still be doing this a year later? Or, or, or were you thinking we just throw us a bone and never hear from us again? Well, so I figured you would still be around, but I thought that only one of you would be alive. <laughs> I figured at some point you'd fight to the death. And go. not even because you were mad at each other, but just for an episode. So <laughs> I thought it'd be more of a one-on-one -on -one thing this time. But I'm glad I, mean, I, I both here. I do have a little bit of a history of shutting shows down, but that, that's a <laughs> that whole different. Our, that could be our hundredth episode, Jay. Like celebrity <laughs> deathmatch, fight to the death. But another serious question, Sam: What kind of blackmail does Jay hold over you for you to actually come back on this show? <laughs> I mean, I can't even begin to talk about it because <laughs> even talking about it will get me into trouble. Get you in trouble. <laughs> that's that's the money he used to pay off the people to get his power back. Yeah, blackmail money. Get, gotta get that money to grease the wheels somewhere. <laughs> We'll go back to revisit uh, that episode. We're talking about payola. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It's been a year. I, I mean, I know we talk on Twitter. Yeah. You know, back and forth and Instagram and do all that stuff. But, I mean, it's been a year packed full of goodies, it seems like, for uh, Rear Punk. And, and I feel like you've done so many things. Like, when you did that episode, you had done so many things leading up to that episode. And we were talking about just everything. And... It seems like since that year, you've doubled everything. So, I mean, I want to talk about everything, but I know I saw you around a few other YouTube channels uh, in the past six months or so. I'd like to think that maybe we opened the door for you on that and got you <laughs> got you in that in that mode to do some shows. But yeah, I, I, I've seen you doing your rounds. You were you were definitely the person that introduced me to. The fine people at YouTube to get the <laughs> exactly. It's like, a, it's like a high class. We we, we ever peaking <laughs> stuff when we're drinking. Yeah, it could have only gone up after our episode. He, was, <laughs> he started at the bottom and worked his way yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, that's what you do, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. We, we provided a shovel for you to get yourself out of the ground and keep going. So <laughs> you got to pay the you got to play the basement punk shows before you can <laughs> play you the go. venues. You know. Yeah. <laughs> 
So what else uh, has been going on with with Weird Punk in the last year? Uh, that's, that's a loaded question, really. Yeah, <laughs> it's, just it's, you know, just bullet point. You know, just lay it all out for every us. Every single thing. It's kind of yeah. it's funny because there was a lot of movement last year. Like even mm-hmm. you know, up to when we talked last uh, on on your show. But then like the rest of that year, some stuff happened, and then I literally haven't done anything since. <laughs> 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 like the the last book that came out. Uh, in 2021 was the repress of Tuolo and Ash and Other Sorrows. Right. And that was the, that's the last book Weird Punk has put out. Right. And and, and that was the, the last of last year's sub club, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. That was the sixth book for the year last year. Right. Um, and I'm slated for five this year and I'm getting the first two together right now. Uh, so it's just been kind of, and I don't. I, I know this is. It's kind of going around, right, with everything that's going on in the world. Right. With there, mm-hmm. there's the supply chain issues, and there's just general feelings of instability, and the you know coming climate crisis that we're already living through, and you know the coronavirus is still a thing that exists and is right. you know making it hard to exist, and all of that stuff, all of that pressure has made it really hard for me. And not just me. I'm not alone in this, but I see a lot of people talking about, right? It's hard to get stuff done. It's hard to have any kind of focus. It's hard to uh, take the time to do the work, especially stuff that's not like the things you have to be doing to live. And that's been a big struggle for me this first half of the year. Part of it is like in fall of last year, my dog died, uh, Nero, and he and I were like, he was, I'd raised him from a puppy there's a, there's all these connections with my late wife with him. Like we mm-hmm. raised him together. So he was one more connection to her. So it was like grieving his loss, but then also grieving her by proxy of that. Right. Yeah. And so there's all of that. And I was just by the end of the fucking year, I was just exhausted. And uh, this year it's been super slow going to try to get anything done. Cause it just feels like, you know, some of the time it's like, is this, worth it and i know it is uh mm-hmm. it very clearly is but sometimes it's just hard to get out of bed and do the stuff well i mean with that said looking at the past couple of years though you being doing this this uh publishing yourself it's been pretty productive i mean yeah. the year before that you had what four or five books four, released four, yeah last year six i mean you don't see that many released by some of these bigger publishing companies and, and here you are doing it yourself so i mean it is a high production that you're putting out for so yeah you can give yourself a little, a little you're allowed to give yourself a little break you know and pace yourself but i mean thank you i'm, yeah, I'm not so what's that like 11 or 12 books in the last two years so yeah. that's that's a lot really with the in the uh indie world because i can't think of another you know several publishers that could do that many yeah. and be successful with them because that's yeah. the other thing. I mean, I think pretty much all of yours have been hits. So I hope so. They've done okay. It's you know, it's a thing. I uh, when I w- I went to the Scares That Care Author Con in Williamsburg, mm-hmm. Virginia, uh, mm-hmm. was that this spring or whatever. Uh, yeah, it was like April or something, I think. Yeah, and that was a, an amazing time. But I was on the publisher panel for that, and there were like fourteen of us or twelve of us, like publishers, all yeah. on this panel. It was a really good crowd. Lots of good questions. Uh, but I was talking with Kristoff, uh, who like co-runs Clash, uh, right? And he and Lisa. I love Clash, by the way. Yeah, Clash are amazing, and they're yeah. very good friends, and they've been really helpful for me, especially when I was first getting started. But he was telling me he was like, 
it's really hard to do this alone. He's like, think yeah. of like all of the publishers that you know, or most of the publishers that you know, are at least two people, if not three. And yeah. at the time, like because he and Lisa just like had their first kid. So mm -hmm. he's, he's like, I've kind of been doing it alone for a little right. while while Lisa tends to, you know, she just gave birth and all that. <laughs> uh, he's like, I've been kind of doing a one man show myself and it is exhausting. It's burnout city. And I was like, he was like, you have to find someone to help you. You have to yeah. relinquish some of that control. And I still don't know if I'm there yet. <laughs> it was really nice to hear that like, oh, wait, like I'm doing and I, they put out a ton of books. They put well, out. Well, look at this, though. I mean, look at the stack. This it's is a lot. That's a lot of books. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for for one person to really get this out and about. I mean, and that's not even including all the ones you read that you didn't either accept or you know all that kind of stuff. Yeah, too. yeah right, exactly. Yeah, but it, it's just like it's a lot of work, which is great. I mean, it's I'm here for it. It's just sometimes it's hard, especially because I don't have somebody over me going like, "Get that done." Right. <laughs> It's just me. It's just like me deciding like, fuck, I have all this shit to do. So sometimes it piles <laughs> up and it piles up and it piles up and I'm way behind on stuff. Uh, and I am right now, but I I'm trying to write the ship and get uh, you get back into the real world of publishing. <laughs> but you, you, uh, I know you've been uh, kind of advertising or talking about uh, the first book for the Sub Club, the anthology that's uh, close to coming out. You had a little help editing that right yeah. Joe helped you yeah. out with with that one yeah so so, so, you, so you got a little help with that one at least you know yeah that was nice because so traditionally like weird punk the first three anthologies or first two and then the fourth anthology sorry the third one i did alone but three of the first four anthologies were co-edited right? right first with emma alice johnson and then with brendan Vedito. And I was pretty sure, so I've done the couple smaller anthologies, the ones that I've just invited some friends, uh, Cinema Viscera, Beautiful Grotesque. Uh, but I was like, I don't think I'm ever going to do a big submission call, open call again, uh, just because it's so much work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you have to read, I mean, when, for the New Flesh, the Cronenberg anthology that Brendan and I co-edited, we got like, I mean, it was 200 submissions or something. Which I know there are there are books out there, anthologies that were getting like six and eight and a thousand, but even mm -hmm. two right. was like it, it's like as long as the Bible, and you're having to read them really fast. And, and, but yeah. and that was also like it's in some of the earlier days of Weird Punk, right? Yeah. I mean, you didn't have the popularity you have now, right? So to get that, you know, a few years ago to get two hundred, that's pretty nice. Yeah, it was really cool, but it, it's it's so much work. It's really exhausting. Uh, God bless the people who just crank out anthologies because yeah. we were doing one a year before before I decided I wasn't going to do anymore. <laughs> and it was exhausting. I mean, it was really fun, but it's so much work. And it's it just feels like a lot of pressure. You want to, I always want to give the stories there too. Like, give you, you don't read like a hundred in a day. You have to mm. like, oh, yeah, each story with the respect that the writer, you know, the writer spent all this time, the writer is submitting. So you got to treat mm -hmm. the story with respect. So it's like, limiting it to like eight to 10 a day just to make sure you're not burnt out, just staring at words that won't penetrate your brain. So <laughs> I was like, I'm, I think I'm good. I don't think I'm ever going to do this again. And then Joe Koch was like, I have this idea. And I was like, let's talk about it. And it ended <laughs> up, I, I don't know, like he's become a very close friend anyhow. And obviously worked with him with putting out the wingspan of severed hands mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. what a fantastic person. And, 
the idea of horror stories involving the relationship between artists and models or artists and subjects was yes. just too intriguing for me to walk away from. I was like, well, it's it's weird punk. So if it's an anthology, I'm one of the editors. It's just how I do it. Yeah. I can't. Again, there's a control thing where I can't be like, oh, you're going to do a book and I'll just publish it. I'm like, no, it's like it's my money. I have to <laughs> you have be, your fingers in there. Yeah, I have to be in there in it. Uh, and so that's we worked on that, you know, throughout the fall and the winter. And it's pretty much done. There's a couple things I'm dragging my feet on, but we have all the stories we have. They're edited. I am finishing the layout like right now, actually. Like that's what I've been doing the past couple of days. Uh, so that should be out in July. Uh, but that was like a, a really interesting return to the roots of weird punk in a way. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, yeah. the, the subject sounded, you know, the definite weird punk subject, yeah. really. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's just, again, it's just been so cool to work with him on it and have not have to carry everything. Cause there were times where, you know, he definitely went above and beyond and doing some of the work on it that yeah. I just simply didn't have at the time, any time for, uh, and it was just like a fucking awesome person and an awesome project. So I'm really excited for people to be able to read that. Uh, we're still getting cover art nailed down, but Ira Rat is doing it, but it's going to be great. Ira Rat. Oh, that's, I got a story. Um, so what's that? 11, 12 stories. And, and, and it's, Gonna be thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's like Gwendolyn Kissed and Haley Piper. Uh we got uh, Gary J. Shipley, uh Donye Coles, um Ira Rat is in it too. Uh there's a whole I am obviously forgetting some people have a whole strip of really great stories by really talented writers. And you've got a story there too, right? Yep. Yep. Is that something, is that a new story for you or is that a reprint from something else? Yeah, I always, I don't do, uh, weird punk anthologies will never have any uh, reprints in them ever. It's okay. always original pieces. Yeah. What's your story about? <laughs> it's, <a> really, <laughs> it's a really weird one to talk about <laughs> because it sounds really funny, but then it's also not very funny. Uh <laughs> I wrote a story that's title is Jizz Christ. <laughs> and uh, for people who are interested and know about art out there might see the tie uh, to there's a, a paint or a, a photo from the 80s called Piss Christ, where an artist took a photo or took a big crucifix and put it in big jar of piss and took a picture of it and yeah. it's an infamous like it caused all of these it's like censorship in other countries because is there an nft you know, for that i'm kidding yeah, <laughs> the nft now uh, yeah and it's this it's a really interesting photo because his point wasn't <laughs> the artist is actually catholic uh and his point wasn't uh, to be blasphemous he was yeah. saying that if Christ was a living, breathing human being on earth, uh, then he had body fluids. And yeah. he, at the time of his death, very likely pissed. And yeah. to say that that is somehow blasphemous when it's the reality is actually like a really fucked up thing to not accept the whole of a person and yeah. the whole mm -hmm. of Christ. And I'm not a Christian at all. Big surprise for people who know me. Shocker. <laughs> 
But uh, I, I was really taken by, I've always been really fascinated by that photo, especially because there was such a visceral reaction to it by uh, a lot of religious people who didn't understand it or didn't want to understand it or felt attacked by it for whatever reason. And it, was, it just became kind of infamous. And mm -hmm. so I had the idea, this is like a story that without this art aspect, I've tried to write like five or six times since I was 18, like in about 2000, uh, I have written and rewritten and tried other takes on trying to write a story about people with uh, body fluids that are acidic or corrosive. Mm -hmm. And uh, specifically about two people meeting where like, it's like, this is not normal in this world, but two, it's like kind of a nihilistic romance story of two people who find each other, who both have the same secret condition uh where their spit their piss their sexual fluids their mucus is acidic and okay. so what that would look like in the scope of their lives uh with like you can't fucking kiss somebody because they break out in oils or you know like yeah chemical burns basically and how i say come on where's the <laughs> yeah so it reminds me of a this like reminds a, me of rogue from x-man she can't yeah, yeah, him, no, like, she burns him or whatever yeah i've had a couple people say like oh it's kind of like that right yeah. like the, the, the think about the isolation of that character who can't yeah she touches someone she hurts them how do you be mm -hmm. close to someone how do you how alienating that would be so i had this that idea and i combined it i thought of i was thinking of piss christ that i i was like oh well, <laughs> this guy is semen is so he's an so it's about this art piece that he makes which is similar to piss christ but it's a it's like a vial full of acidic cum with a crucifix that's slowly degrading <laughs> and the, the degradation of the crucifix is the like storytelling uh tool which with i sh like how i show the movement of time is like it uh -huh. keeps getting more corroded until it's a almost nothing and, yeah. and these two people finding each other because of this piece of art and again like the 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 title of it sounds <laughs> funny and but it's not <laughs> but it's really not it's like the whole thing is riding on like the emotion and there's the, some sort of hidden meaning at the end of it you're like oh man <laughs> <laughs> you're like you read it you're cringing the whole time you're like oh it yeah, just takes yeah. it out of you <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's my story. I'll leave it at that. But uh, <laughs> it's really, again, I, I feel so weird even telling people about it because they laugh. And yeah. then I tell them more and they're like, oh, okay. It's more, I, it's more of a, like a nervous laugh just going yeah, along yeah, with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this is just the the the, uh, the the beginning because next next year you're going to probably redo Everybody Poops a Horror Story, you know, and <laughs> go with that. So. And I'll figure out a way for it to ride on pure emotion. Yeah. <laughs> Mix art in with everybody poops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Coming so in 2023. <laughs> and the anthology is called Stories of the Eye, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a, a George Bataille yeah. reference. Uh, who's Actually, I reread that this past uh, oh, a couple yeah. months ago because I, I last time I read it was college, I want to say, and I had to revisit it just to see if I remembered everything. And yeah, I remembered everything. <laughs> What, but, did you, what did you think on reread? Uh, I, I I probably got it more now sure. because I'm you know I'm almost forty five. So yeah. I, like like at college I'm reading I'm like what the fuck's going on with this egg and and <laughs> like did they have, I mean did they have STDs back then you know I'm just like like 
but now I'm reading. I'm like, okay, I, I see more of the art in it, you know. Yeah. Back in college, just like, hey, look what I'm reading here. It was in the library. Read, you know, look at it. So, yeah, uh, I, I like unabashedly love that book. It's it's a favorite for sure. It is very strange. I mean, it's it's just so <laughs> out there, and then you you have to kind of laugh at it because yeah. it's, it didn't. It's it's that nervous laughter because you're like, okay would this actually happen? And are there people that's this doing this? And it's yeah. just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We could probably talk about that for another hour and a half. That's and, a, it's a, that's, and it's a short, it's a short book. Yeah. Too, it's a short so. book. yeah, but yeah. That's a really fun one to introduce people to for sure. You haven't read it, Brad. Have you? I haven't read it now. Oh, case in point, you should read it. <laughs> I'll check it out after the show. Uh, check it out. It, I, I, I like my kind of elevator pitch on that. Anytime I tell people about it, because I've like I made a ton of my friends read that is it's essentially the story of a couple of like sociopathic teenagers in France in the like 30s or whenever it is, 40s. Yeah. Uh, and they're it's like all of these really fucked up sexual exploits that they take part in combined with an insane amount of really surreal, vivid symbolism. So there's yeah, all okay. of this stuff to like read into, into it. There's uh, kind of themes of spherical objects, all sort of representing the sun uh and it, it is a wild weird read it's it's really cool though but see, what's that's, the author's that's name most... uh george bataille yeah okay. amazon's got it really cheap like yeah. the kindle version like two or three bucks right now but that, that's what was weird when you made the announcement for this anthology and it was named that and i immediately was thinking of that book and i'm like wow like you really did just go extreme all of a sudden before <laughs> i read the description of <laughs> what you were looking for like I was like, oh shoot! Like you got to be like twenty one probably to buy this now. <laughs> you know, I'm like, what did you just do? You, you're gonna, you know, Book restrict your NC audience 17. a little. Bit. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> that was because it's pretty, it's pretty out there. So all, all props go to Joe on that. He came up with the name and uh, came up. I mean, came up with the whole concept. We were like, we yeah. talked concept first, and then we were like, okay, what kind of, what about name? And he came up with that, and I was like, that's brilliant because it works on and it, it's obviously it's not a tribute to Bataille in any way but I'll, right he and i are both big big fans and my mm -hmm. art like my writing is perpetually influenced by him that's why i reread the book i mean i hadn't even thought of it until <laughs> you made the announcement yeah. and it's named that and i, was so, like, I gotta go re revisit this book so. yeah it was like we were, we were hoping that people would like get that reference but also not necessarily think like this is a, a tribute or something. It's, yeah. It also like on the other level makes sense because it's the whole book is stories about the right. It's like it's that vision, but the relationship between art and or artists and their their subjects, their models. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's all about that, like seeing and yeah, intuiting and yeah. So we just like this is a this is a great fucking title. Let's just do that. And if it's confusing to some people, I guess it's confusing to some. Well, people. because you're going to get the, you're going to get the crowd thinking that it is a tribute, yeah, or, or you know some kind of dedication or so. So yeah. you might get that kind of carryover crowd, and yeah. then we'll see we'll see what their reaction is when it's sure. when unless there's unless there's a story in it that involves an egg, then <laughs> we'll have to you know find out. 
Maybe I'll revise and throw some yeah. egg stuff into Jizz Christ. <laughs> just, just maybe some artwork of an egg and, and not even say anything to anybody <laughs> about what it represents or anything and just have it on a few pages. <laughs> That's get a good Max, idea. Get Max Booth to, to get an egg story for you. He likes eggs. There we go. Yeah, we'll ask Max. <laughs> Did you get a bunch of, of uh, submissions for that one? Yeah, we all we got almost 200 on that as well. It was just shy. It was like 193 or something. So that was a, it was a boatload to sift through, but there were there were so many really good stories. It always that's the bummer, right? Because I was like, we had a kind of how I do it is I have a word limit for the okay. for the full book, and so it's like here's the word limit of stories we can accept, and mm-hmm. then the total word limit that includes Joe and my story. And it's really just uh, budget. It's like how much can I spend on stories for this? So instead yes. of setting like it's ten stories, it was like we can. The stories are between 3,000 and 5,000 words, I think is what our limit was. And so that's going to be a variant in there. So we're going to be able to fit as many stories that hits like the 40,000 word mark uh, with that. And it ended up, and then 50, including Joe and mine. Uh, So then it it ended up being, we picked 11 and then we each have our story. So uh, 13 total. So with there being like a max word limit for the book, did you like, oh, I'll, I really enjoy these two shorter ones, but then there's this longer one that maybe I don't like as much. I'm going to do the two shorter ones, maybe over top of that one so you can fit an extra story in there. It's every, sort of play that math juggling game. Yes. You did math. You had to do every, math. Time, <laughs> every time I've done one of these, especially with someone else, right, which mm-hmm. has been the majority of them, uh, there's that because you both pick, like how I've always done it is make a tiered list. Of like, mm-hmm. here are my absolute must-haves. Here are stories that I love. Here are stories I really like. Here are stories that were okay. Here are stories that I didn't like. And here are stories that are like a absolutely not. Yeah. And like, you know, didn't fit the theme or I just, for whatever reason, like really don't work for the book. And then it's a whole game that you have to play with the other person where you're comparing lists. Uh-huh. And every time I've done this with someone else, there's been... Like the the stories I gotta have are like the same, or maybe one cool. is, one from there is in the I love it, you know. Yeah. Category. Yeah. But like I think it was seven that we um, we matched on that top from, and then it's talking out uh, the other ones and like looking at the the next tier down, and then looking at comparing like there might be a story in somebody's really high tier that's in a low tier because. You know, there was something about it that the other person just didn't like or just didn't work for them. So you're kind mm-hmm. of kind of it's this weird negotiation uh, that's really fascinating. But that was that is a consideration as you go like we can take we're at the point kind of at the end where it's like we can take this one longer one that we both yeah. really like or we can take these two shorter ones that we also both really like. Yeah. And that's a choice you have to make. And that's a choice. And some of it comes down, like a lot of it comes down to the vibes of the stories and how they flow together uh, Mm -hmm. with what you already have. Uh, When you're at that point, you're going like, well, we already have, we already have a story that feels in a similar way to this one that has has similar themes or has similar, even just details. Uh, So it's, it's a, vetting process in a lot of different ways and then you, you don't want you don't want five stories that kind of feel the same yeah yes, exactly. right. or like hit the same types of ideas or or yeah. have the same type of even like with this because it's art it was like 
we don't want too many stories. We don't want a book full of stories just about painters, right? We want models or yeah, yeah, like we wanted to cover a lot of different varieties of art because art is so expansive uh, Mm -hmm. that it just made sense to like try to. And we certainly can't hit all of them, but uh, yeah, but at least have you know certainly some stories about artists in there. But they're like painters, but then also Mm -hmm. stories about you know like fashion designer and a story about uh like a weird video like like film thing and story so just like like story about it straight up about a director like uh just making sure that we're covering our ground in terms of and it's obviously the stories of the quality you want them to be you know when you're doing that too but it's also you're looking at it in in layers or like almost as though it's a multi-dimensional object like Mm -hmm. how does this click together with this other one and this other one so you, you got close to 200 uh, submissions and you both read all of them right? so, because I, I know some other uh, uh, anthology calls, I like they split them up and then they bring yeah. them together, not reading. All. I know some that don't read them all, you know, like they, that's why they have a team to figure out, but you both read them all. You know, every other weird, close punk, to them. So. Yeah. Every other weird punk uh, book uh, anthology with someone else I've, We've both read them all. This was the mm-hmm. one Joe did some heavy lifting for me okay. and read some of them. Uh, like read, like he read bef- kind of before me because I, I was in the middle of a couple things, so I didn't have time right. to, to dedicate to reading them all super fast. And it was kind of in between projects for him, so he read uh, a bunch of them, if not all of them, before I'd, I'd even gotten to them. And because I was on kind of time constraints, he ended up cutting uh i think it was 50 off the bottom or something he cut some of them for me that were like the ones that clearly didn't just like fit the theme right uh, yeah for whatever reason and i left that in his you know capable hands to do uh and i did feel weird about it because i've always been really adamant about all editors read everything but i was just against the wall on time and couldn't make it work and uh so he offered to, to do that for me which was really cool and i did feel really weird about it, but eventually i was like well <laughs> this will we'll just have to do this and it'll be fine and i think he tried to not be super like uh super quick draw on it it was just really the ones that didn't it didn't work for whatever reason with the book uh or what we were you know because we had talked about really what we were looking for yeah and and that's not to say they weren't good stories. I'm sure a lot of them were fantastic, but maybe maybe some interpreted the uh, the the theme yeah, wrong. You, you or get, you get that a lot. You get yeah. uh, definitely right. Like as writers, you kind of you can read submission guidelines and adhere to them, but never quite know. Really, <laughs> there, are, there are like words that don't exist inside submission guidelines. Yeah, right. That you like different things that people are actually looking for that you've you got to have the little orphan annie dakota dakota yeah, yeah, like, exactly. from the story to figure out what <laughs> exactly. the actual you know thing yeah. is going to be and so it's like you try you try to be really uh descriptive about what you're looking for but sometimes people either misinterpret it or i mean obviously again like well, writers i've edited so many books like you get people who just either didn't read the submission guidelines at all or yeah read and completely misunderstood them especially you know not always but a lot of the first handful of submissions you'll get for a a a submission call are people's a trunk story 
but they're just like, well, this might work. This has yeah, throwing it out there. You know, so you always get you always get a group of that, and I think that's kind of what uh, Joe had cut from the from the pool for me. Yeah, because there are people who have like you know several different kinds of short stories ready to go, just waiting yeah. for those calls. I I got one. Here we go. You know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think I just don't I don't tend to do that myself as a writer, and that's not a slam on people who do that. People sometimes like. They have a they story prepare. I mean, <laughs> perfect, right? That's absolutely perfect for a submission call. And they get they get picked. That story gets slotted. But I'm always like, when I see the call, I try to, if I want to write for something, I'm like starting from the ground up and building it. So with the, all these anthologies you've done with, you know, edited with other people, have you ever had a story where either you absolutely didn't like it and the other person loved it or vice versa and you all sort of fought over it? Like, what was the resolution of that? Where you like it, or the other person, the hates arm it, or wrestle, the other way around. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> do you Rochambeau for it, or yeah. how does that go? That did happen on uh, an early weird pun uh, book with with Emma when when she was she and I were co editing, and when she ran Weird Punk, uh, there was a story that uh, for one of the books that I really liked, uh, and I really liked it because it had this very Technicolor frenetic energy to it that I didn't really see in any of the other stories. And this uh -huh. is my, and it was her first time editing a story or editing an anthology too. This is my first time editing an anthology. So you're going in like, I don't know how we do this. So we'll just figure it yeah. out. And so you're, I'm maybe not looking as much for quality. I'm looking for stuff that just like feels right at that time. And so I had this story that was in my, like, I think top or second, second to the top tier that I really liked because this, kind of one aspect of it when the rest of it didn't really work and <laughs> uh we ended up uh talking through it and it became a thing where it was like it was a length thing with a story that she really liked that i didn't really like and then mm -hmm. i was like but if we don't take that we can take this other story you really like and this story i really like and <laughs> and then it's kind of win-win and we hemmed and both get a story and talked it over and we ended up picking the the two instead of the one and then like years later another uh somebody who i know who reviewed it said that there was one story that uh didn't work for them in that <laughs> and i in private asked them about it just curious like no judgment i'm just really curious and it was that fucking story so i was wrong <laughs> And like looking back in hindsight, I was totally wrong. But you know, <laughs> you, you you learn as you go, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so the moral of the story is, if you so you're co-editing with somebody else, they're always right, and you're wrong. Yeah, yeah. How it's gonna go <laughs> from now on? If you disagree, just go with the other person. Yeah, and that's you know, and a little bit of that did happen with Joe on this one, and it again, it came down to the the kind of two or one because it yeah. was you know there were two that I really really liked that uh, he also liked, but then there was one that he really liked that I also liked, but like they were just kind of like flipped the level mm -hmm. of, but we, we talked about it more. We talked about kind of the other stories and how they would interplay with the other stories and some of the other aspects. And we ended up making our decision. Uh, mm -hmm. But some, you know, it is every new person I've done this with has, it's been a different experience, which is really cool. Uh, yeah. And so I was kind of go into it being like, this is a new experience. I've done this, but I've never done this with you. Right. Uh, yeah. So 
we'll have to figure out how we communicate. We'll have to figure out how we uh, will make these choices together because I want us both to be happy. Uh, I don't, I'm not like a, I'm publishing it. So it's my, it's like, no, this is a partnership. <laughs> this is a collaboration. Yeah. And let's discuss things if they're, you know, whatever issues with stories or whatnot are going on. Like, let's try to figure it out and come to a, a workable conclusion for both of us. And yeah. yeah. Now with, with doing these anthologies and, and, you know, going back and forth with whoever you're editing it with, do you ever have, I, I don't know if this ever happens or not. Did it ever think, did it ever occur to you to, okay, what would make this story you both agree on it? Do you ever go back to the writer and say, if you want to just make the small change, the odds are we're going to take it and, and and go with it. I mean, does it ever go that far with anthology? Because they're short stories. I mean, they're pretty much right there for you. And um, it's not like editing like an actual longer novel, but you know, if, if they tweaked a little bit here or there, have a better chance. Yeah. I, I, similar to that, but not exactly that. I will say that every story that I've ever accepted for an anthology is contingent on edits. Okay. So sometimes there are more edits than others. And it's like, you're, you know, generally saying like, and I don't know if we expressly said this with this uh, anthology, but it's, I've generally been like, you know, it's accepted contingent on edits. Generally, my edits are more suggestions, but sometimes it's like, this needs to be fixed or rework. And I haven't had to do that in a while. That was more earlier books when the submission pool was smaller, right? Because uh -huh. the first Weird Punk uh, release got 35 submissions. The second was 65. The third, Zombie Punk's Fuck Off, was around 100, I think, 80 to 100. So it was smaller pools of work. And... I think specifically with uh, Zombie Punk's Fuck Off, and, and I, I've said this before, so I don't think she'll mind me saying it, but uh, Joe Quinnell's story in that, that was her first published piece. And like I didn't know her at that time. We became friends through that process. Right Now she's yeah. one of the best friends, and I've worked with her on the Mud Ballad, and we're putting out a collection together because she's amazing, and she's an amazing writer. But that story in particular... We, I was pretty like, this is contingent on edits because there's some things in this story that just don't quite work for me. And mm -hmm. it was for that, it was less moving parts of the story and more a prose thing. She was doing a super uh, staccato James Elroy uh, kind of thing in that story, which is a style that I do like. But, you know, even James Elroy has taken that style too far. <laughs> 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 so we, you know. And she was totally cool about reworking it, and we reworked it, and it. I, I still love that story. Uh, but that was one of those times where it was like, this more than some of the others is going to need some some heavier lifting, not like yeah. crazy pull it apart, but some heavier lifting, and I'm accepting it with you knowing that changes will be made to it. And so I, I, you kind of saw through the weeds and saw the actual main part of it and wanted yes. that main part in it and just... Yep decided to you know do a little trimming and, and fix things up with it yep so. for sure and so and that'll that just like sometimes happens with a story where like there's these, yeah. this aspect that doesn't quite work but if we fix it or they you know they fix it if we figure out a way to fix it for them to to make it more workable this will be perfect but i find that 
do now having done two anthologies with 200 submissions <laughs> uh the pool is just bigger and oh, yeah. so yeah. The, i mean just it's more stories and also uh and this isn't a slam on the previous those early books because we had fantastic writers submitting but there's a wider variety of like really really fantastic writers submitting to these now because at least some people know about weird punk at least some people know the name so wow. you know feeling lucky enough to have like gary j shipley or Haley piper or andrew wilmot you know send us a story uh right. and i i'm not a i've always operated in the like I do not accept a story because of the name attached. I yeah. have rejected stories from some bigger names, many of whom are friends, and I felt really bad about it. But it, if the story's not right, the story's not right. But at the same time, you end up getting stories from writers who tend to fucking bring it <laughs> like every yeah. time. Yeah. And if they bring it to that one, you're like, well, hell yeah, uh, that's great. So were so you, you surprised or shocked by some of the ones you received this time? Um. You know, we like, whoa, I'm a big fan of Van. That's awesome. They submitted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that did have that does happen. That did happen for sure. But we also in I now it's hard for me to remember who we expressly invited, who yeah. was on that like, kind of tier <laughs> of like holy shit people. Uh because we we invited I think 10, you know, and I always invite with the uh express like an invitation is not an acceptance. Right. And I and even with this, we rejected several people who we invited. Uh, I always end up rejecting people who I invite, uh, not to be an asshole, but just because it's about the book. It's about like, I love this person. I love their writing. And maybe I don't know them, but I love their writing. I think they do something really cool. Maybe the really cool thing they did just didn't work. Uh, yeah, that's so you don't invite somebody and they throw you their trunk story and they're like oh, here just throw this one in there and yeah like this doesn't fit at all <laughs> yep we that that's a thing that with in the new flash we invited a writer who i'm friends with on facebook and i've always had a really good rapport with i'm not gonna out them but uh they, they <laughs> do it started. sam I'm <laughs> a great person this this writer uh sent me a story sent us a story and it was a cool story but it just didn't work for the book and i felt yeah. really bad being like Hey friend, like I'm really glad you sent this to <laughs> us, but it it's not gonna land. It just this isn't quite right, you know. And I kind of explained why, and they were super cool about it. And they were also like, "Yeah, that makes sense." I was running out of time, <laughs> and I grabbed a story I had in a trunk in my trunk, and I like reworked it to fit the theme. <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, good on you. You got something in, but you know, it's not gonna. Make That's it cool. Anymore. They were cool about it, though. They were, yeah. Dish I've never had that. anybody who I've invited be an asshole when they're rejected. <laughs> but I also That's write good. a front load at being like, uh, like me requesting a story from you is not an acceptance. Like it's yeah. not, like so I, so you're, not, you're not blindsiding them. Like you invited yeah. me, but you didn't take it. What's up with that? Yeah, exactly. It's it's more like we'd just love to see a piece from you in our inbox. Yeah, yeah. With the you were talking about content editing a minute ago. Do you? content edit stories very often for the anthologies is most just you know grammar and punctuation and that kind of stuff yeah more more the kind of copy edits some mm -hmm. occasional content so copy editing i'm also a big i love prose um so i when i copy or like copy edit i'm looking a lot at uh how not just like the sentence works or how well it mm -hmm. works 
I'm looking at how sentences interplay with each other in a paragraph or how paragraphs interplay with each other just mm -hmm. on a purely like prose level. And it's a yeah. thing I never want to overstep and be like, this is how I would do it. But there is kind of key things I look for, like not intentionally having repetition, especially like, cause I, I again, like I like repetition in verse mm -hmm. in times it can be really impactful, but sometimes you, you'll have, and I do this myself as a writer. A lot of these are things are, uh, things that I've picked up from being edited by other people as a writer is like an early one that I learned, right, is the thing with like sentences on sentences or even just a couple in a row with like really similar important words or starting with the same word, uh, yeah. you know, and that's just like a good thing to look out for as a writer anyhow, but as an editor, so I'm not like, oh, it's a grammatical issue. It's more like it's a prose issue that yeah. we can make this all a little more tight or a little more yeah. streamlined. Or cram these two sentences sentences together because they don't need to be two stuff like that but every now and again there will be even just like fine details there was one of the stories in this that joe picked up on a whole thing with color uh mm -hmm. there was a, there was a bunch of color in this story and joe had and again it was a suggestion not a like make or break to be in the book but a suggestion that like you know he thought it'd be uh, a little tighter work really well like thematically by having there was like some differences with the colors having them be, I, I don't know enough about color theory, but there was like color <laughs> theory stuff involved and uh -huh. the author was completely receptive and open to it. And it made what was already like an amazing story. It just added this like little 5% pop to it that makes it like have this additional kind of layer. Uh, so sometimes it's that it's just like bolster it, helping to like push a thing in a direction that will bolster it up slightly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's something I noticed a lot when reading, like the repetition, and even even with my reviews, like uh, I just used that word in the previous sentence, I can't use it again in this sentence. Yeah. Like it bothers, it stands out to me a lot yes. for some reason. Yes, it's not like yo know, the or at yo. Know, it's like yep the door the the person went to the house and then the house is whatever. In the next yeah thing. yeah like, they used house two times in a row. You got to pick something different. Yeah, exactly. And like you know they're in the house now. Like yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like feeling like on a granular level, like you don't need to contextualize it. Right, yeah. because you already contextualized it on a bigger level. It, it sometimes takes an extra set of eyes to point that out, though, because yes. I, I wrote one a couple of years ago that Ross Jeffrey sent back to me with just a bunch of red <laughs> on it. He was like, he used this person's name like six times in like two or three paragraphs. And, <laughs> like, I've, I've, I've been reworking it and changing it and stuff, you know, but he's like, yeah, you're going to want to change that, you know? And I'm like, okay. Yeah. And I didn't, it, it, it made sense to me when I was writing it. Right. Yeah. And, but then when he looked at it, you know, and he's got several books out, of course he, he caught it right away. I'm like, well, shit. <laughs> like sometimes no matter how keen your eye is, you're simply too close to it. Right. Yeah. It's almost yeah. like you're, you're inside of it. And so you can't, even if you, you read it and you reread it and you reread it and you reread it and you tweak it and like over yeah. and over again, you become too deep into the word. It's right there in front of your face, but you, yeah. you're just, you're, you're blinded, blinded by it. it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're reading in your head what you think it says and you know, yep. it might be a complete typo on the page or you use yep. the wrong word, but in your head, you're like, oh, this is what it says. Yep. That's <laughs> one, it, one thing that I, I now do is I read everything aloud. Okay. Like yeah, that probably helps out. Word, read every single word. Make sure you're reading every single word. Not what you think it says, but what it actually yeah, says. Yep, exactly. I've heard printing it or changing the font is mm -hmm. also helpful when you're doing like a kind of later edit because okay. your brain is seeing like 
printing it like you're looking at it now not on a screen it's more tangible it's more right visible but like you're you're interacting with it in a different way and like you can red pen it but also yes. just uh ryan harding suggested to me once he was like change the font when you get to those later stages of edits because your brain has seen it all one very specific way the whole time you're writing it that makes and sense yeah. change the font like go from a serif to a sans serif or whatever change the font now you're not seeing it in the same pattern that you mm -hmm. were seeing it and sometimes those things will stick out even like like in a way they didn't before that's a good tip yeah, yeah I, i've heard the printing thing because you become screen blind after a while yes and you think you're you know your mind's like reading something totally different from the screen and i got bad eyes to begin with so yeah printing it off on you know laying on the couch reading it it's a little bit yeah. different than you know being right here yeah absolutely and i'm not an editor or, or author or anything at all but uh, the, that stands out more to me than anything is the repetition of words more so than a typo would or anything i for some reason that i catch that all the time yeah and it just it, it annoys me i don't know why <laughs> it's like pick a different word <laughs> what what do you find uh harder to edit the short stories for these anthologies or the full-length novellas that you release um I don't know. They're they're almost just two different beasts entirely. Well, because you have less words to kind of fix things in the short stories. Is what I'm thinking, you know, so you have less to play with. Yeah, it's it's also like anthologies or even single author collections, which I'm now starting to get into, but I avoided for a long time. Uh, those are they're different beasts than a novella because it might even be like the same amount of words in a the whole totality of it, right? Like, yeah. cool, I get to edit 40,000 words worth of stuff over the next week uh, or whatever it's going to take, usually a few days, but sometimes a week or two. Uh, and when you're doing short stories, you edit the short story and it doesn't take a crazy amount of time, typically, a few hours or whatever, uh, multiple reads. And right. then you're on to the next one and the next one has a completely different flavor. The next one mm -hmm. has a completely different style of voice, uh, different subjects, different themes, different things you're looking out for. Uh, even with a short story collection, like a collection, not an anthology, where it's the same writer, there's still going to be differences. There will be similarities, but there's going to be differences like beyond the obvious. It's a different yeah. story. But like because no writer writes the same way every time, really. Uh, mm -hmm. there's, there's always, it, it, you always have to approach it as though it's a new thing. Whereas if you're editing a novella, uh, you can, you like get deeper in it in a weird way because you're not suddenly this chapter ends. Now I'm switching to a completely different style of something, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it's all about in service to the, the totality of the whole story. Uh, so it's almost like the, the thought process behind the approach is different or just yeah. the approach is different. I'm glad you pointed that out with the uh, collections and anthologies, because when I'm reviewing those anthologies and collections, I take forever. When someone gives me an arc uh, of an anthology or collection, I take so much longer to read those because and even in my reviews, I actually say, you know how I do it. I read one or two, then I put it away for a while because yeah. if you're, if you read five or six, that first one is going to, skew you know change all blurs way together you're, yep. yeah everything and, and there's gonna be a different voice in every single one yeah and you're gonna start thinking okay something's wrong with the third one because it's not the same as the first one so yeah. you you have to cleanse your palate in between each one and 
it takes me forever to you know read an anthology or a collection because of that because i want to give each one its chance to yes. shine you know yes absolutely that makes so much sense like from a reviewer perspective right uh, and i can i could totally see that line too with just with as an editor and that's so what why i have avoided doing short story collections for so mm -hmm. long uh, mm -hmm. was specifically because, and I, I don't think he'll think I'm throwing him under the bus on this, but Chris Kelso, like incredible fucking writer and like one of the nicest guys out there. Uh, he sent me pretty early on after I took over Weird Punk, I think it was in 2020, he sent me a short story collection to consider. And I, I really like him as a person and I really like his writing. He's an incredible writer. And I looked at that, I read it, and it's it was a really good collection. It was super strong. This stuff is so weird and interesting. And I went, I don't think I know how to edit something like this. Yeah. I don't think yeah. I, I can do, I was like, at that point, I was like, I understand how to edit different people's different stories in an anthology. I don't understand how to edit one person's different stories in a collection. So that was what ultimately made me that made that decision back then to be like, I'm never doing collections because <laughs> I just don't think I know like how to approach it. It, se it seemed monumental. Again, it seemed bigger or just different, more complex than a, than a novella or even mm -hmm. an anthology. So for the longest time, I was like, no, I'm not doing this. And then last year I was like, well, I have the rights to Tawalo back. Uh, I'm just gonna, I had had a press approach me to put it out and then, uh, they ended up not being able to, uh, mm -hmm. and I was like, you know, I, I can just do this myself. I already was yeah. kind of at that point, right. Of like, what can anyone else get me, give me that I can't do myself? Uh, yeah. and that's not a slam on anybody, but I was just like, I have all the, I have all the cards I need to make this happen in house. And so I then have I, both, by the way, yes, right. <laughs> I have to show it off. Yeah. I have both. <laughs> uh, so I had that, like, I guess I need to learn how to do this and learn how to do this with my own words, which is yeah. in some ways easier. And in some ways harder, the, the good thing was that those had already been, most of those had already been edited mm -hmm. uh, because of appearing in other things. Then also when the book itself, but also like when it came out through nihilism revised, they obviously got edited too. But then I, over the as time goes on, it's like, I'm seeing like, Oh shit. Like this story has some, some stuff that got missed. And this story you're hearing from people, like there's some gra grammar errors in this story. It's like, okay, yeah. I made a bank of like, here's what I need to change. <laughs> I went back through and fixed everything and changed everything and made it super tight. I even removed the story. Cause yeah, I, I was going to say you, you cut one and you added one, right? Yeah. I, I took one. I took uh, the verdant Holocaust out and I added a novelette to the end. Yeah. Cause I went like, this will entice anybody who potentially who already has it. Like yeah. now there's 10,000 new words in here. There's uh, power in the blood, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's power yeah. in the blood. And that had never been put in anything before. Uh, I was like, new, I wrote it for the repress. Uh, so doing that, I was like, okay, like, obviously, again, it's my own work. So it's kind of hard to judge. But I went, I think I can, I think I more understand how to do this for someone else. And now there's at least two, I think, if not, maybe three uh, short story collections coming out from Weird Punk this year. So <laughs> what was the watching and listening? I, I know I reviewed the original one a while ago, and I, I mentioned Death Like Love is one of the most powerful, strongest short stories. Like, like there's so much in that. 
as a short story. You know what yeah. I mean? There's so much packed into that. It's still one of them. And I think I reviewed it. Have you reviewed it what last year, a year and a half ago? Yeah, I think it's so. Still right around this my, time last year. <laughs> probably. And, and it's still one of my favorite short stories of all time because I mean, it, it's there's some passion in that. So I, I don't know if anyone in the audience here has the you know the new version but it's it's in there so yeah. i mean it, i'd pick it up just for that story alone <laughs> so go ahead brad i'm sorry to mean to cut you off you're fine what was the reasoning to take out that one story did you feel like it didn't necessarily fit with the other ones anymore or? yeah it wasn't as strong it just simply okay. wasn't as strong it's uh that the story i removed was one of two that i wrote prior to mo dying uh, mm -hmm. The Prince of Mars and the Verdant Holocaust were the two that were from before she died. And I included those in the original version because uh, she really liked both those stories. And specifically, The Prince of Mars at the time was like my favorite, her favorite story I'd ever written. And mm -hmm. it was like kind of partially, it sounds weird, but like for her to include those. And that yeah. one also the anthology that that came out in like four people read. So it's like, I'd really, I was so proud of that story. I was like, I'd really like people to read this. And I'm yeah. still like, I love that story. The other one had initially come out in the Misfits anthology that we did. And I, like, even when it came out, uh, Emma was like, this, this part is pretty rough. Can you clean it up? Yeah. And I, mm -hmm. I did a number of passes cleaning it up. And then she was satisfied and it got into the book and the book came out, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I hadn't read it in a really long time. I probably hadn't read it since the original Tawalo came out. And I think I was too inside of everything at that time, just with the grief and the heaviness of doing that book. Mm -hmm. And that book came out around the same time that the tarot project, like my late wife was working on a tarot deck when she died and we got a bunch of people to finish it and did a Kickstarter. And that came out and it like, all of these things like were happening back to back like the new flesh like 2019 all three of those things happened and yeah. it was like they were all like it was like month like back to back to back three giant projects all kind of culminating so i've been working on all of them at the same time and i think i was just like too in it uh at the mm -hmm. time to recognize that that story just wasn't as strong especially like the latter third and mm -hmm. so when i went back to put it all to, to put it out again or to, to put the new version out I was like, I'm going to like really, really clean all of these up to get them as fucking airtight as I can. And yeah. uh, that one, I still really like like the first roughly half to two thirds. I'm really proud of and I really like that. Right. And then the latter third is just a fucking mess. And <laughs> I went, to, I kept trying to edit it and I was like, I can't edit this. Like, not that it's beyond, like, it's not too far gone. I just don't have the attachment to it that I do uh -huh. every other story in this book. And that tells me that it doesn't have to be in the book anymore. Yeah. That it, okay. it was maybe served the book at the time when I, when I put it, when a nihilism revised, put it out in 2019 yeah. before the, but, I mean, times changed. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So. Just for the, for the book in 2021 and the, the second to the last day of the year, 2021, I think I put it out <laughs> December 30th. Uh, it just doesn't need to be in here anymore. And there's nothing like it wasn't some moral thing. You know, it wasn't an ethical thing. It's I, there's nothing in that story that I wouldn't potentially write now. But uh, yeah. it's just as a as a story uh, didn't really land for me now. 
uh, or at that time, but still now. Yeah. Like, fuck it, I'm cutting it out. I'm adding 10,000 more words. Uh, if people want to really desperately want to read that story, it's in the Misfits book. That book is still in print. Uh, I'm just going to take it out and add this new thing. And I think it yeah. made it like just better. It just made it more cohesive. It made it that story had a grief aspect to it, but not in the same way that the other ones do. Uh, that mm -hmm. was kind of more about the disillusionment of a friendship. Whereas mm. even the, the Prince of Mars, again, written before Mo died, is about the loss of, of, of someone you love. Uh, so like the, that theme just now completely runs through the book. Yeah. Did you have anybody else look over it? Because like we were talking about earlier, you, know, you can be too close to your own stuff and maybe miss some stuff. Did you have anybody else look over it for you after you yeah. did all your edits and stuff? Yeah, I had a couple people's eyes on it. Uh, no one person on the totality of it. But uh -huh. I had... Uh, like I said, I had kept the document and I had had a couple friends tell me like, there's a couple things in this story. There's a couple things in this story. And then I had a couple people looked at, at sections of it, basically a couple stories here, a couple stories there, three or four friends looked at there's power in the blood for me. Cause I was really worried about that one with being like, I'm adding this longer piece to a book that is now two years old. Uh, yeah. Which again, I wanted to do just so that there would be added value for someone who may have read it prior but and, but you know bands do that all the time they release the greatest yeah. hits album and they add one or two new songs right. and people are like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was just i was like well i i'm just gonna write a novelette for it because i had this idea for something that felt very in line with the stories mm -hmm. in that book and it's up to anybody else if it works i had a really hard time figuring out where to place it because i didn't mm -hmm. want to disrupt the general flow of how that book had been prior because i thought it flowed really nicely there's kind uh -huh. of bookends and like the first two stories and the last two stories sort of mirror each other and uh i also didn't know if it was like a bit of a gamble to add something after that last story after death like love because that's such a impactful gut punch mm -hmm. of a story right. that i was like is this like diminishing the work by tagging a thing at the end but I, yeah. I kind of had to just go like, I don't know where else to put it. So I'm just going to put yeah, it. Yeah, with it being the longest one, I mean, I, I think yeah. the ending is fine. Yeah, I was I was shocked that it was after Death Like Love. But when I saw it was more of a novelette, longer yeah. than the others, you know. Yeah. Where you going to put it right in the middle? Just yeah, exactly. <laughs> just confuse people. Put it right in the it, middle. Yeah. It also didn't work to throw it at the beginning because, like, the story to Wallow and Ash is, like, that is the Yeah, I mean, those, yeah, <laughs> those bookends, those are actual bookends, those yeah. two, you know, and, but it works. Yeah, I mean, you do what you can, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's like bonus content. You get your bookends and you, oh, there's bonus at the end. Yes, yeah, exactly. exactly. It's it's the, uh, the, the end of the scene end of the credit scene you know for yeah it's your post credit yeah. your post credit scene <laughs> yes, yeah but here's it's longer the, than the movie itself yeah, yeah. Here's <laughs> the 10, word post credit scene yeah here's a whole extra part for you yeah so i, I want to get into uh you know what's coming up this year yeah. to talk about some uh but you want to kind of break things up and, and throw this game in there just to see how bad this goes brad do you want to want to do this the last time we played uh Cronenberg movie trivia. I think you oh, got almost everything right. I'm yeah, sure. yeah. So this time it's not that, not at all. It's something we're trying to go with the whole weird 
theme. You know, okay. we're punk books, weird theme. So it's a it's a little bit of a uh, true and false. Okay. Or no, what would you call it? Weird and false. Go it's ahead. Weird play and your, false. Go ahead and play your your, your intro. Uh, Award winning what... intro. Yeah. <laughs> weird or false? <laughs> Jay hates those so much. I don't hate them. They're, they're so bad. I, they're so bad. I love them. Uh, they're supposed to be that bad. I feel yeah. like I'm just going to get shredded on this one. <laughs> I have the questions here. You two are going to decide if these are true or false. Okay. okay? All right. And I worked a whole 20 minutes gathering these up from the internet. So they could be wrong. I don't know. <laughs> you know, you're not supposed to believe half the stuff you see on the internet. So here we go. Number one, true or false? Well, let's same answer first. And then okay, okay. True or false? Spider silk was once used to make guitar strings. Spider silk. I would say false, but I don't know enough about spider silk to know how thick it can get. I'm a, I'm agree with Sam. I feel like it would break too easy. Yeah. Especially with the it, pick and stuff. Yeah. It is false, but it was one time used for violin strings. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. I thought it was That's kind weird. of interesting. Yeah, interesting. Okay. That had to be hard to make. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure they use several. Yeah, like weaving it. We, They're just yeah. milking the spiders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm picturing the same way. I'm picturing the same way to do sheep. Either they cut the coats off and, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I like to think that there was at one point there was some poor spider silk farming <laughs> boy who is like sitting in the dungeon silking the spider who was like yeah. of these days I'll work my way up to playing these violins. <laughs> Wonder how they tune the, the the strings. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Number two. <laughs> I told you these are bad. Number two. True or false? There is a company that turns dead bodies into coral reefs dead bodies into coral reefs true or false i I'm, i might think that that could possibly be true i think i think weird i'm gonna give that a weird a weird true a weird i think i'm gonna agree i, I could uh, dead bodies or skeletons does it say does it matter it just says just dead, dead bodies. bodies yeah into coral reefs I could see that. I could see someone saying, my last wish is to be in the ocean and have crabs crawl over me for eternity. It, it I'm is go, true. I'm going to go weird. True. It, it is true. There's a company called e Eternal Reefs, and apparently they mix a cremated remains of a person with okay. concrete, and it create like a fake pearl. Oh, okay. And, and this, this pearl, uh, it's weird. It becomes encased in a reef ball. In a reef ball, it is dropped into the sea, and it provides a new habitat for fish and other sea life, and oh. it, it starts the whole cycle of life. It, it, yeah, that's totally not what I was picturing at all. I was just picturing them no, dropping bodies I, off I the boat, <laughs> yeah, and the sinking. Well, when I when I saw the question, I, I figured it was like like you know john does and jane does where they never figure out who they are like yeah it's all up front for a company that helps serial killers yeah some serial bodies. killers taking notes right now 
coral reefs, huh? That's really interesting. That's, that's the, like uh, the third, uh, third season of Mine Hunters. <laughs> that's like the thing where um, you can have your body like in the the tree ball roots, and they bury the tree, but yes. you're the roots part of it, and they, yep. yeah. it grows from your body. It's it's kind of cool. When it's I, really weird. I would never do it, but that's pretty cool. When we were in Denver for StokerCon, my girlfriend and I went to a like a metal brewery there, and we were sitting mm-hmm. on their patio outside having some beers. We overheard a conversation between a woman and a man, and she was telling this guy about her job, that she worked for a company that did, it's like green burials, but they do something different where they liquefy the remains and do some process to it that turns the turns it into a nutrient-dense water, and then they pulverize the bone. They use some machine to completely pulverize the bone. And using that, I want to say they plant trees using the bone as a it's like bone meal odd seed thing, and then the liquid to first new nu- like give it nutrients. That's so weird. And I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <I> <laughs> like, can you imagine reading someone's will and it's like, I want to be yeah. liquefied and my bones crushed <laughs> so I can nutrient the tree? Like, and then what? somebody's like, I can DIY this. I got a Vitamix. I know. <laughs> I gotta see the process. Of this. Is this on PBS? I gotta see the process of this beginning to end. That, yeah, I wish I could remember the company. It was so, we were like we were like looking at each other, and she was behind me, and we're both just totally <laughs> eavesdropping. Like, what the fuck is this? This is so cool. And you're DIYing, and the police busted. Like, no, this is what they wanted. I promise. Check the will. Check the. You got you like your ninja blender is about to explode. And <laughs> nice. All right, number three, and and. I had to grab this one because story BI, you know, making a connection. True or false? Alfred Hitchcock was frightened by <laughs> eggs. By eggs? He was frightened of eggs. What a true or false? I might give that a true. I don't know, but that sure. I'm gonna say false. It is true. Uh, at some point, and this, this is a quote from 1963. Yeah, I, I did some research on this one. <laughs> I'm frightened of eggs, worse than frightened. They revolt me. That white round thing without any holes. And when you break it inside, there's that yellow thing round without any holes. <laughs> <laughs> blood, blood is jolly, red. But egg yolk is yellow, revolting. I've never tasted it. <laughs> I really like the idea that his first problem is that it's white and has no holes. Is he also yeah. terrified of baseballs? Yeah. <laughs> Golf balls don't bother him. Balls, yeah. If it's I not a it up, ball, get it away from me. <laughs> it's called a fear of eggs. Ovophobia is a fear of eggs. Ovophobia. How strange. Wow. Yeah. Alfred, That's funny that well, Alfred, Alfred, Hitchcock, Alfred Hitchcock. I mean, <laughs> out of all the things, you know, all the horror stuff he did, he's yeah. scared of eggs. I'm I'm mostly sad that we never got his egg horror movie. Then there you go. Yeah, that, that is sad. Yeah. All right, number four, true or false? <laughs> just, there we go. It's, hold on, in Psycho, instead of the knife, he just he's cracking <laughs> eggs over her head in the shower. Oh no! Somebody's out egg in the house. It's egg just, in the house. <laughs> is, ah, it's too horrible. Instead of a haunted house. Yeah. Okay, number four. <laughs> True or false? Goldfish only have a memory of three seconds. You know, I've I've heard that uh, that factoid. The problem is I can't remember if it's true or not. <laughs> right. I think it might be slightly longer than that, if I remember right. So you're but saying false? 
Uh, I'm gonna fuck. It's like, do I follow the like? I'm, I've heard that before. Like, I'm pretty sure I heard it in the context that it was wrong. I'm gonna say, <laughs> there's I'm gonna too much thought going into this. Really, I think it's closer to like eight. <laughs> <laughs> Give him a few extra. I'm gonna say false because that because they they know like when you come to feed them, like they recognize that they remember something. So you both are saying false. Yeah. I'm gonna say it, false. It, it is false. It didn't tell me how many seconds they really have. It just said false. And I'm like, <laughs> what, what was, the hell? <laughs> well, how many was how many was in the question? Was it three, three. seconds? It's a three. Four and a, it's really four and a half. It's, it's yeah, really yeah. four. <laughs> it's close enough. Yeah. So okay. We're sinking here. What is this? Number five. Okay. True or <laughs> this, false? This is comedy gold, Jay. <laughs> True or false? This is what happens when you leave it the game up to me. <laughs> Okay. Number true or false? Pigs don't sweat. I have heard that before. Again, that's another one that I'm like, did I just hear that and it's actually bullshit? <laughs> uh I'll I'll shoot, I'll say true. I'll say true. I know that their skin is really, really similar to human skin to the point where especially old school tattoo artists would practice mm. on pig skin uh, mm-hmm. before touching human skin. But I also don't think that just because their skin is similar doesn't mean they maybe don't have sweat glands. I'm going to say that that's true. I'm going to say I'm going to I'm going to go false because sweating like a pig that just sounds fake. I'm going <laughs> to go false. Everybody says I'm sweating like a pig, so I'm going to go false. Okay. Well, the answer is true. So when is people do say they're when they do say they're sweating like a pig, there's fucking liars because <laughs> <laughs> pigs don't sweat, according to the internet. According to the internet. According to the website I got these questions from. Very reputable website. QAnonFacts.com All right, here we go. True or false? Number six. True or false? Fingernails and hair continue to grow after death. That is false. The reason people think that is because uh, as the body decays, the skin pulls away from the, like the scalp skin pulls away. The finger skin pulls away from them. So they don't actually grow. They just appear longer. Yep. I agree. I knew that one. That was false. Yeah, that, that was. That was yeah. My cousin is a, a mortician or works in the funeral home. So I knew that one. I think Sam read the answer verbatim. Just <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, fascination yeah. with death your whole life will lead you down some uh, interesting paths. <laughs> well, you think yeah. way back in the day, you know, people would probably believe that if they had to dig up a body yeah. for whatever yeah. reason. Yeah, because they're like, oh my God. It looks- I had to throw it in there because it was hard. I got nine instead of 10 questions. Okay. It was hard to find these. So I had to throw it in there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number seven, true or false? Or weird and false, whatever we're just naming. Maybe <laughs> the game is. I've done lost track. We're going to talk about rats. Rats laugh when they are tickled. <laughs> so bizarre. <laughs> Why rats do they... laugh when they are tickled. I don't know who the person is that's tickling the rats. Or if these are New York rats that are the size of cats. But rats laugh when they are tickled. True or false. Now I just want to know what that sounds like. I bet it's terrifying. Oh. <laughs> it's like you're you're in the woods camping and you hear just the most <laughs> horrible thing. Don't worry, it's just the laughing rats. <laughs> it's just a rat tickle party. <laughs> I know. If it's true, it could be false. I I literally don't know at all, but I'm gonna go ahead and say sure. What the fuck? It's true. I'm gonna say true because I want it to be true because I want to know what it sounds like. 
It is freaking true. I'm going to YouTube this and find out. Rats laughing. Rats laughing. Like, I, I don't know. This is nuts. Okay. Number eight. We're going to go back to spider webs. Okay. Just because we can. All right. Spider webs were used as bandages in ancient times. True or false? Hmm. That's another one that I feel like uh, maybe could go either way if there's some real intense spiders with real intense webs that don't, you know, fall apart. Again, too much, way too much thought into this. <laughs> and I like it every time. I like, it's like I'm on fucking who wants to be a millionaire talking this through. I know. Like, your I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, trying to use like. Do you want to ask the, the people in the chat? <laughs> yeah, I, I would wonder if, yeah, like maybe like a wolf spider or something, maybe those. But I don't know. I I'm gonna say true. I I think it I think it's not true, but in my <laughs> parts I want it to be true. So I'm gonna say true. I'm gonna Brad. I'm gonna say true. I think I could see that happen. Because it's yeah. sticky, it's gonna adhere pretty good. Yeah. Well, it is true. Supposedly uh spider webs have a natural antiseptic and antifungal built in somewhere. So that makes sense. And so in ancient times, you know, they used it. So, all right. Bringing it home with this one. This last one? Yeah. I know. Are you sweating? Number nine. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> We're going to end it on a, a number nine. Not number 10 like most shows do. <laughs> number nine. True or false? We're, we're different like that. You're more likely to get a, a computer virus from visiting religious sites than porn sites. <laughs> <laughs> That has to be true. <laughs> if there's any justice in the world, that's true. So I'm going to say it's fucking true. I'm going to say false just to be opposite. Okay. I don't know. It is true. According <laughs> to uh, according to uh, Simon Tech, uh, the security firm, religious websites carry three times more malware threats than pornography sites here's my here's why i thought that might be true that's gonna be my excuse next time my wife catches me <laughs> hey, there's less malware on this site i promise exactly i figure my logic behind it is that i figure that religious sites are more likely like the website itself that build is more likely to be done by someone just like in the church or in the church office maybe yeah. doesn't know about cybersecurity, who maybe doesn't know yeah. about any kind of backend stuff other than like I can build a like a WordPress site or something. Whereas I feel like generally your porn sites, they're like <laughs> security is a big deal, especially if they exactly. have yeah. like a, a login area and stuff. It's like that stuff has to be secure. Yeah, because yeah. you have to do the HTTP. You have to get the S on there. That's that's something yeah. extra with the security stuff. The, the religious sites are saying under construction coming Christmas of 2014. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it now is 2022. So. <laughs> Okay, we made it through that. Let's... Tim says that uh, milk milking silk sounds like a weird punk title. <laughs> Tim, write that book. <laughs> write that book and send it to me. <laughs> All the comments from the game. Paperweights made of human ash. I, I think I've seen that, that before. Paperweights made of human ash. There's also there's a company that'll that? press ashes into a vinyl record. Oh, I have weird. heard of that. I've I always wanted to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Does it actually like? play music on there yeah yeah you can i think you can do up to five or ten copies uh, that's crazy of, i don't remember it's one-sided or if they can do two but uh 
I think there are some limitations because it's they're putting ash in there. Right. Yeah. When I, I don't know how long it lasts too. Like, I mean, I, I don't know if people are like playing it constantly. It's more of a right. keepsake, but yeah. you know, ash has, to, I'm sure ash over a long period of time will also degrade and stuff degrade somehow. So not as morbid, but I know um, you can make jewelry out of like a, breast milk and stuff they like make little oh. pearls out of it and like put it on a ring or necklace or whatever that's okay, what just, that. just as weird but not as morbid yeah. right laurel just got really dark didn't it i mean <laughs> <laughs> and i think it was the game that made it go that way yeah so hitchcock <laughs> needs holes <laughs> Needed holes. Wow. it's so always can... it's a big surprise if stuff gets dark when i'm here <laughs> <laughs> So we can seg- we'll segue because we were talking Somehow about segue. We'll segue to before the game. You're talking about single person collections. So you're working on one right now. It's speaking of pornography, right? Pornography for the end of the world. Oh, that is that's the fucking that's a, that's a great segue. That was seamless. I fucking love that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the after stories of the eye, the next weird punk release, uh, will be the second short story collection from Brendan Vedito. It's called mm-hmm. Pornography for the End of the World. <laughs> and if you all don't know Brendan, uh, or if you do, uh, he his first collection came out a couple years ago, a few years ago, from Clash Books called mm-hmm. Nightmares and Ecstasy. It won the Wonderland. I think that way it came out in 2018. He won the Wonderland the year before me. Uh, and he was he and I also obviously did the New Flesh. Uh, and he's one of my best friends, and he's also an incredible fucking writer. And this book is bleak and dark and weird and haunting and visceral and sexy and all sorts of really intense things all at once. Uh, <laughs> and it's, yeah, it, it's going to be, I can't remember how many stories it is. I think it's eight or nine. Uh, just off the top of my head, I can't quite remember. Uh, but we got, we recently bought a painting from a Polish uh, artist who did a lot of Polish movie posters and okay. it's we haven't revealed it yet but it's fucking insanely cool and i'm very excited uh to get that out and for people to read that um it'll be out uh next month as well i believe uh so two next month yeah, yeah mm-hmm. i'm just gonna crank two out nice. um yeah it's 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 been such a I mean, again he and i did the new flesh together he's amazing he's a, an amazing writer but he's also a great friend and it's just so fun to work with him work with mm-hmm. him on this book we got some really stellar blurbs on it uh like the people who've read it's really really liked it um yeah it's super cool got a, bo- a lot of body horror a lot of uh just really intense stuff he uh he's talked about this publicly so i don't feel like i'm saying anything he wouldn't but he like he had childhood lupus and mm-hmm. that like affected his he would have visions sometimes of like really Mm -hmm. intense like horror imagery and i know like having that illness very much in fact like influenced and informed how he writes and what's what he writes uh so it always i don't know his stuff's just like so intense and so visceral Uh, i'm really excited for him to have a new book and also to be publishing it so where did that title come from? Because that's definitely a title that makes you like, oh, what's this book about? Yeah, that's uh, that was straight him. He he was like, this is what I want to call it. <laughs> I was like, let's fucking go. <laughs> Does that correspond to any of the stories in there? Or is it just just yeah, there is, a random title? Uh, there is a story. It's not that 
the title, but there's uh-huh. a story in that that's also in. So it'll include the story that he wrote for Cinema Viscera, which okay. uh, we put out that I put out last right. year, and his story in that, which I can't remember the name of. But I got it. A, Hold on. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what is it again? Mm-hmm. Nostalgia Night yeah, at the, the Snuff Palace. Yeah, the Snuff Palace. So that story is about uh, like a post-apocalypse scenario, post-apocalyptic scenario with these crazy rock monsters, <laughs> this really desolate, fucked up future. And it's this group of people making a trek uh, to like the last movie theater. Okay. And I don't want to give anything away, but like yeah. everybody's <laughs> going to this movie theater for reasons. And the reasons are like really intense and it's really <laughs> depressing. Uh, but it's a, uh, it's a phenomenal book and that the title, or it's a phenomenal story and the title very much, uh, the title of his collection very much reflects that specific story. Nice. You said there's about eight stories in there or so. It's, yeah. It's like between eight and 10. I just can't remember off the top of my head. I haven't formatted it yet. So it's uh, yeah. I haven't been in it in that way yet, which is when I usually memorize something. <laughs> mm-hmm. it went, you were working with the uh, the cover artist that Joel, I guess, say I'd like this, this, and this on the cover, and they painted it, or just was we, it more broad? We actually we straight up bought a piece that already okay. existed that okay. was used. So I, I just like I like to do this with any artist or any author who I'm putting out their book as we like have the conversation about cover art. Yeah. Uh, because it's important to me that the author has a lot of say in that. Obviously, yeah. it has to be in line on like an aesthetic level with weird punk stuff. I think I, I think the books all look really good. I want them to look really good. I have to like them. I want the author to like them. And so I usually go like send me a grip of artists or send me even other existing stuff like other book covers, but also like album covers, send me movie right. posters, send me like in a vibe that you're looking for. We can try to capture that. Or if you have a specific image, like one of those mood boards on what Pinterest, what, yeah, Pinterest yeah, exactly. or something. I think I remember you mentioning that last time about Audi C's book. Yep. About the co- yeah. Same cover type of thing. And yeah, it's just like, oh, it's, I try to have it be a whole process of like discussion so we can actually nail down the some tone or vibe that fits the book and also mm-hmm. makes us both happy. And so he sent me a few artists and a, of just stuff that they that he liked from them, mostly thinking we would potentially commission one of them to make a to make a a painting or a graphic design thing or a drawing or whatever for us. And one of them was this Polish, uh, this Polish movie poster guy. And I was like, well, I'm gonna reach out to him and see if he, because some artists, especially artists with stuff that's like this was from the '70s. Uh, we'll yeah. be like, well, I I own the rights to it. I can sell royal, you know, sell rights use. Uh, mm-hmm. So I just reached out. I was like, hey, like I'm a small press from Minneapolis. Got this book. We love your stuff. There's a couple of them that we really like. Uh, what do you do that for things that have already been movie posters? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if so, what is, what's your cost breakdown like? And he got back to me and he was like, here's kind of my general cost breakdown and is there one specific one? And so then Brendan and I talked about it further. I was like, okay, if like these are potentially up for grabs, what's the one we want? And we both narrowed it down to three. And for both of us, it was like two of the three were the same. And then mm-hmm. of the the one that was different, we ended up going with the one that he sent that I hadn't seen. 
was just an image I hadn't seen on the website. And we were both like, this is fucking perfect. And nice. so I hit the guy up and it ended up being this really weird. I've never done a international money transfer to a artist <laughs> in Poland for a not insubstantial amount of money before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I'd be scared. Yeah. Because <laughs> I contacted him. This is his official website, like listed everywhere as his official website. But he was like, yeah, Poland, we can't really do PayPal. Venmo doesn't work here. Can you just yeah. go to your bank and do an international wire? And I try to talk you out of it. <laughs> I, I went, so I tried to do it online and I, there's like a few different ways you can do it, but I couldn't find like the right way. So I was just like, oh, fuck it. I'll go to my bank. And the, mm -hmm. the person there was like, well, you can do it online. Here's where. But do you know the person? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, well, I mean, not really. But like I contacted them. I'm buying a piece of art. And they're like, okay. Just like, but so I sent it and I didn't know how long it would take. So I sent him the receipts and stuff. I was like, here, here's my process that I sent it. And even without like a moment's hesitation, he had sent me the files. Like he had, he didn't even get the money yet. It took like nice. four more days for him to get the money. And he was <laughs> like, Here's the files. Let me know if you need anything else. I was like, okay, cool. you're good. I did not just get scammed for a lot of money. <laughs> I'm probably going to butcher his name. Free sweating, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> his name's Weislaw Wolkowski. Yeah. Sort of, maybe, yeah. maybe at that ballpark. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't, I didn't want to say it because I was like, I'm going to butcher it. <laughs> I'll butcher it for you. I'm horrible at pronouncing names. I'll just, yeah. everybody knows that. So I'll, I'll butcher it for you. <laughs> yes. His, you look him up, his art is really fucking cool. And I don't know. I like, I have, in my bedroom, I have a couple old Polish like horror movie posters. I love the aesthetics from that that movement, that graphic art. He does mm -hmm. like paintings, but uh, so rad. And we we're just like, fuck. It was even like slightly outside of my budget, but it was, I was like, we're just gonna do it. I don't. We'll just yeah. make it work because it's so without. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, it, it's just it's just clearly the right choice for the book. So I'll yeah. make it. I'll just do it. I don't care. <laughs> so without saying what movie it is, so you don't give away the cover. What is it for a horror movie, or was it for something different, or you don't know? Uh it was all in Polish. So, like, <laughs> so you, yeah, so like, I don't magical remember. romance or something. Yeah, I don't remember. Space it's, erotica. That's space what it erotica. Is. <laughs> I think I did see at one point what it was for, but uh, I don't remember. But like on the the original version, it's like all in Polish, and I, I was okay. like, I don't fucking know. But he. I was like, you have versions without the text, right? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'll send you the, the textless versions. Okay. It would be cool. funny if it was a porn movie. That would just be yeah. funny. <laughs> it very well might have been <laughs> a really <laughs> fucked up porn movie. But once they see the cover art, you'll be like, okay, that could be, that could track. <laughs> if, you put the text, if you put the text on it, it told you it was one thing and it turned out to be something else. You know how yeah. when people get, when people get like the, uh, the, like uh, Chinese, Chinese symbols, Chinese, yeah, yeah. tattoos, and they think, oh, this means spirit. No, that means don't asshole. You know? <laughs> yeah. So you pretty much have uh, the year planned out for what you're releasing. Yeah, I have all but one. So I've got okay. Stories of the Eye, Pornography for the End of the World, Joe Quinnell's short story collection, debut short nice. story collection. Uh, and I, I talked to her a couple times this week and... <laughs> Uh, she she was like, I have one and a half stories to go, and that'll be okay. done. Uh, and she's like, school. She's a teacher, so yeah, um, yeah. I, I actually follow her on a yeah. So, so school so, school yeah. just ended. So mm -hmm. after she's doing some stuff right now, but after that, she'll have. So she'd have the time. Just a side note, everybody. If you haven't read yes. this, that, yes, that's, it's, that's she's a, incredible. Like 
people that was her debut too right yeah as far as novella yeah yeah, yeah. uh people need to read her uh she is outrageously talented and i I feel like under read like i really want more people to read her uh Mm -hmm. and it's pride month so you should really read her and you should not just read her because it's pride month you should read her all year long but she's fucking incredible so i hit her i was like do you have a collection do you i want to put out a collection from you she's like i actually yeah let me write a couple more things and then a few more things so she's got one and a half left so that'll be up hopefully like fallish i'm guessing maybe winter uh she thought she was gonna get it done sooner than she did i was hoping to have it like summer but it's fine we'll get we'll get it done later so that'll be sometime this year and then my next collection will be this year too okay. uh, which is sitting in a folder completely done um and i don't have a title for it i keep oh it should be this it should, i keep kind of changing my mind on it uh but it'll be you know more of the more of the same uh, laurel that's a joe quinnell wrote uh, the, the mud ballad mud ballad this, was... just that dope ass cover of the pit yeah, on this it. Was two, two years ago was this two years ago uh, yeah that was 2020 i can't remember when i read it yeah so and yeah, that's that's neil out who did that cover and we're gonna yeah. get him to do the cover for her collection too oh nice I, went, I was like who do you what what kind of thing she was like let's do neil again because then they were like peace they're together they're like uniform yeah. and yeah. i love it those go ahead i was gonna say i love that his are photographs and it's yes. not like he painted or anything but that's a real pick Ed. he took a yeah. picture of yeah his it, it's so cool to be to and we did the first we were the first press to have a neil cover uh mm-hmm. i think grindhouse were the first to come to buy one but then that book didn't come out until recently neil is an old friend of mine like he okay lives here he's a canadian uh, he lives in Canada now, but he lived in Minneapolis. You won't hold it against him, though, right? Yeah, I mean, I won't. Not right. <laughs> uh, he uh, he's an old friend of mine, just from like the horror horror fan scene here. We mm-hmm. we never like super close. We'd hang out. We like we were all we were part of a group, and he was just the coolest guy. And he used to be a theoretical uh, physicist. My brain always wants to say physician, <laughs> which would be a much more interesting thing. <laughs> yeah, theoretical. Yeah, just take this and we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, could change, we could change it for a story. I mean, we're talking about fiction, we're talking about fiction here. So yeah, yeah, you use that for something. Yeah, he's a, he was a theoretical physicist and he worked. He lived here because he worked at the U of M doing okay. physics stuff, and then he moved to the Cambridge or whatever in the UK where Stephen Hawking. The college Stephen Hawking worked at, like he worked with Stephen Hawking, uh, That's crazy. and then he ended up back in Canada. And I think, and he I, he's been open about this, but like he hit a real wall with the academic world and was like, I'm gonna do something else. And he mixed up his whole life. You should take pictures of Stephen Hawking for <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> wow, that just got kind of that got real dark, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. he. It's it's really he had hit me up ages ago to be like. I'm trying to get into like seeing if presses would want to buy my photos for books. Yeah. And I was like, I suggested a bunch of, pre- well, here's presses who I know who put out cool work. Yeah. Who would probably be interested in who aren't shit bags. And <laughs> one of them was Grindhouse. So I thought it was really cool that they, they were the first to purchase. Uh, but then, yeah, we were able to be the first press to have a, have a cover from him. Uh, so it all kind of came full circle of this, like, oh yeah, this is an old friend of mine. 
That's cool. He uh, has a very specific aesthetic. Like you see a cover, you're like, yeah. you know who, even though I don't remember his name, but I was like, I know who did that. Yep. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So we'll be, and we already picked out, I haven't talked to Neil yet, but we already picked out what photo will be for, for Josie's book. She, she told me the other day, she's like, for sure this one. Uh, nice. Yeah. So does he, does he got some? He's got some pre-made ones on a website or something. Or he doesn't do pre-mades, but he'll do uh, licensing on existing photos. Okay. He'll also, I know for Grindhouse, like a commissioned one. Right. Okay. Like, what elements do you want? How do you, do you want it to look? Blah blah blah. And he'll like set it up and do that. Uh, but I just like with the with the mud ballad, it was we were talking about cover. I had suggested him. We both looked at that specific image. And we're like, well, this is the one. This is her <laughs> book. And that's Josie was like, yeah, I mean, she and Josie's bought, or J- Joe uh, Quinnell has bought, like, she said she bought, like, three or four of his prints, like, that okay. are in her house now. And <laughs> uh, including, obviously, the one that the Mud Ballad is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But oh, she, she actually bought that one? Yeah, she, she's got it up in her. Does she have the NFT? I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I guess not. I got it. Oh my God, yes. Uh, I, I have no clue about that stuff. That's why I, <laughs> and I was reading an article earlier today about somebody going to an NFT gallery and they were confused because it was just a bunch of TV screens oh. showing their artwork and they didn't oh. know what to do. So oh, I, I know. I'm confused with it. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah, there was a. I think Seth Green bought. There's like the the monkey, the sad monkey NFT yeah, or something monkey, yeah. and someone stole it. For, he was gonna make like a TV show about it, and someone somehow stole it from him. So now he can't make the TV show because yeah. he doesn't own the rights to the NFT monkey or whatever. It's, it's so it, I I don't understand what's going on. It, the whole thing is a scam. It's a <laughs> it literally is. It's a Ponzi scheme. It's really funny. <laughs> I think it's funny that he got it stolen from him. Like he had this whole yeah. like it was lined up. It was gonna go to pilot and everything and he can't do it because he doesn't own the rights to this like, like I, I remember a few years back like bands started doing like metallica like released an nft of one of their albums and i'm like has it been around that five, long 500 some thousand dollars i'm like but i have the mp3s at home i don't understand <laughs> what yeah. what what is the difference i mean yes. I, could, I could right click on it and save picture as and yes. it's not right. yeah exactly I don't, I don't, but, it, I'm so but it's not on the blockchain so you don't really own it you don't <laughs> like who cares <laughs> it's not it's not a thing stop trying to make it a thing. I, I should tell them i got it from napster and just make them you know upset. lime wire remember lime wire yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, so we're set with this year. It, yeah. Last year was very successful. I mean, Maria Maria Abrams, one of my favorite, one of my favorite ones from last year. Yeah, Ali was- C, and then of course the Eric Laraca book. We this have one. to. Yeah. Speak Is this last about. year? Yep. Yeah. yeah so it seems like this year you're doing uh, a lot more anthologies and, and collections. It, it's, yeah. It's, a whole different direction, basically. Uh, did, did you realize you were doing that, or it was just the way everything fell in your yeah, lap? Just, Last year was novellas. This year it's more short stories, anthologies, yeah. collections. Initially, I was like, "This will be this will be the anthology and four novellas." And then, just as the more I thought about the collections thing, and then it was like, Joe has is working on a collection, and Brendan had this collection already in the bag, and I have my next collection done. I was like, well, I guess that's what I, I it just kind of the cards fell into place. Mm-hmm. And I think for the for the fifth spot this year, it's highly likely that it'll be a novella. I have mm-hmm. ten things in my inbox to read, uh, novella submissions to read, and one short story collection <laughs> submission to read. Um, so I've got. A choice to make for the last one and it's odds are high that i'll 
pick up at least a few from that mm-hmm. all of books and it'll be like the last one for the year and then the next two for next year or something uh but yeah it wasn't an intentional pivot to pivot away from novellas novellas are honestly still my favorite thing to work on yeah. uh, to publish it just kind of worked out this year that it was good that it'd be a collection heavy year uh yeah i don't know it'll be it'll be interesting to see uh how that plays out so next year i think you yeah. should just go with novels yeah, just full on novels. That's yeah. just eight hundred page chunkers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have a hard limit on uh, the reasons that I do. Know I, I remember you saying that before. That's why. Yeah. But but you're tackling yeah. all of the you, you you tackled novellas last year. You're tackling the anthology <laughs> short story collections this year. What's left? What's left? No, novels, novels. You know. Yeah, or novels. Yeah, I just you think you I, do novels like 200, 250 pages or so. I do, do a series. Do, do, do. Oh my god, that's. Weird Punk will never publish series. <laughs> no, no, no. But they can be developed like like one author, oh. five five books. Okay, uh-huh. part one, to, like like uh, make it like a serial, like uh, like, how, like the Green Mile. The Green yeah, Mile yeah. was originally. No, I I'm not a I'm not a sequels guy. <laughs> uh, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I just I love like a standalone thing, and that's it. And that's all you get. Uh, so I'll Would never you- do. <laughs> would you ever do like a, a loose series where it's they're like a, the splatter western stuff like they're all yeah, yeah. not related but it's all sort of the same theme would you ever do anything like that maybe if i was not necessarily splatter western yeah, but yeah, yeah something like I'm that. i'm just gonna wholesale steal death set yes idea dude. just take splatter western Actually, weird westerns there you go I do have a splatter western in my inbox so the NFT nice. but, uh, yeah i you know if my output was higher uh-huh. like as i think you know, like that's head. Yeah. That's head was doing the the splatter westerns and other books. Yeah, so it was like they had the right. series going on, but they were doing other books. And I just don't think with only doing like four to six books in a year, mm-hmm. it doesn't make it be like there's two in this series coming out this year, isn't? You know, <laughs> it's just that I don't know. It's just I don't think it would work for how I do it. Uh, so I probably not. <laughs> What is a? I want to ask about your collection. Is there sort of a central theme with yours coming out that's different from Tuwal and Ash and Sorrow, or is it just kind of a yeah. mix match of different stories? Yeah, it is. You know, it's similar and it's different. Um, <laughs> it's the still, same, but different. <laughs> yeah, it's it's still like it's still that type of my story for the most part. The the darker. Uh, just like sadder stuff um because i i think like we're at like fox devils has emotional weight wait, wait, you're saying it's darker and sadder than well no not Koala. that it's on the on the side of this it's not darker okay. than sadder I, I, was say, I don't know i don't know if i can take any more it's just more in line with that because so. i feel like as a writer i'm sort of of two minds ish where i have the stuff that i do that's in that more grief or, okay. or just like very emotionally <laughs> heavier stuff. And then mm-hmm. I have like, again, like Sabbath of the Fox Devils is, it has emotional weight to it. I made sure to like, cause that's rooted so much in my childhood. It can't not, but it's also yeah. fun. I think that book's really fun. It is fun. I, it, I wouldn't characterize to wallow as fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the graphic novel of this. By that, way. I would that love needs to, to happen. happen. I would whoever did the, uh, the, whoever did the cover get, art needs to do get Michael art. Bukowski to, to work on a graphic novel with me. That'd be yes. amazing. Yeah, I so this one is a lot more in line with to wallow in terms of that like more emotionally dense, heavy stuff. But there's a I'm couple stories like this, 
the story that's in Laser Mall uh, is mm-hmm. going to be in there. And I don't know if, if people have read that or not. It's veering closer to what's in uh, what's like the kind of flavor that I do with Sabbath. But it's also a mo- it's also about grief. So a lot of the stories are about grief, but they're less about uh, like my wife died. It was more. It's been more me trying to put those emotions like resonating those emotions in other types of stories it's still a lot of loss it's still a lot of but it's like there's a story in the next collection that's about uh, a father i'm sorry about a, a son like an adult son whose mom dies and mm-hmm. him dealing with the aftermath of that and it's this kind of really sad cosmic horror thing mm-hmm. and okay. uh, that that story that's in laser mall is about uh it, it, there's a husband but it's also about a kid whose mom died, you know? And uh, so there's, I don't know, just like trying to not do the same type of story. I feel yeah. like I, I did an entire book of like, here's a bunch of stories where my, because my wife died. So I wrote stories about my wife dying, uh, which is, you know, a thing that I'll still continue to do, but I was like, I need to stretch myself and not just constantly have like wife is dead stories. <laughs> same, uh, same tone, same ballpark, but yeah. not, not exactly yeah. the same. Yeah. And you also you also have a, a story at I don't know if it's out yet in uh, Let the Weirdness In the tribute yes. to Kate Bush is that out already or not yeah yet? yeah that came out uh, last month I think okay yeah yeah that uh, I am so excited to have been a part of that um, who released that one uh, that's uh, Heads Dance Press uh, that's who it was that's yeah. uh, Evan St Jones uh, and they had invited me to that. So I'm, I'm, we're friends. We, we talk shop sometimes. We talk writing. They've been a huge uh, weird punk supporter and they're a great, they're just an awesome person. And they had hit me up because at one point, like a while ago, I posted some fucking Kate Bush meme. Uh, <laughs> I don't know a ton about Kate Bush. My girlfriend is a fan and I've heard some Kate Bush and I like some of what I've heard for sure. Uh, I just think she's an interesting person. And uh, Evan hit me up and was like, are you, are you a Kate Bush fan? Cause I'm going to do this book. And I was like, I, I don't know enough about her to call myself a fan, but certainly some of her music is really cool, but I would yeah. love to write something trying to capture a, a vibe. Cause there's this mystique about her and there's this, like, I don't know, just, there's something it's hard to grasp almost. There's this, mystical aspect to her music and to her whole vibe there's a lot of theatrical elements and i was just like i'm gonna write a i'm gonna write a story for that and uh i ended up being super influenced i don't know if you know like the classic weird tales cover with the lady with like the bat uh she's like got a bat mask on yeah Um, right i like love that image yeah and i was like i'm just gonna like take that idea of this theatrical bat thing and i wrote a story about 1920s parisian like in paris like theater of this group of of uh thespians doing uh some kind of underground play from this right from this playwright and it's like a play that's like been known to be slightly dangerous for the performers where they get swept away by like kind of the spirit of the stage and the spirits of the wild that it's trying to tap into. Okay. And uh, I referenced, uh, like I, there's a one of, I can't remember the album, but there's an album cover of hers. That's like a, it's from the, it's from the seventies or eighties, but it's like a painting 
with all of these animal faces. Uh, and I took that and I like tried to incorporate stuff from all over her career. Even the, the reason I thought of the uh, Weird Tales bat head lady is because mm-hmm. there's a promo photo of Kate Bush like with bat wings. I so I, like yeah. it like clicked for me with that. And I just, I just tried to write something a little outside of it's still me. It's just maybe, and it still gets pretty fucking horrific. But I was like, I want to write. I want to write something that's like the to- tonally different. I don't don't tend to do period pieces, other than ta- I guess technically Fox Devil said in the eighties it's a period piece. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was gonna say that's a stretch for a period piece. I've though. done a couple like said in the eighties or nineties, but I don't tend to. It's either eighties or nineties, or it's just. But but to the kids today, that's the late 1900s. Yeah. So no, exactly. <laughs> it really yeah, it is. is. It, it is. is. My my 13 year old tells me that's the late 1900s. Yeah, yeah. It's the late You're 1900s. like, I hate you now. I feel really old. <laughs> yeah, but I, I was just like, I'm gonna do something that's a little different from anything I've ever done, and and luckily they liked it, and I'm I, like next to so many friends and fantastic writers in that one, like. Leo X. Robertson is in that. Joe Koch is in that. Maria Abrams is in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a bunch of, just a bunch of friends and other great writers. So it's so really an honor to be a part of that one. So you got to stretch your writing chops with that one, do a little bit something different. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like I feel like I kept falling, they're not even falling into because I don't think the stories are the same, but the mm-hmm. core of so many of my stories are like, person loses their spouse and deals with it the worst way possible. (laughs) I was like, maybe I should try to, I I, like, I I need to be doing other things like things other than that. (laughs) And she came up recently. Isn't she on, or her music is on stranger things Four or something like that. People were talking about her. I think it just got like hit, you know, like it was like trending and hit a bunch of top 40 stuff or whatever. Cause it, Suddenly, a bunch of people who weren't aware of her were aware of her, which is really cool. Like, like how else is that stuff going to find, you know, like that happens all the time where especially younger people who weren't around for something, they end up hearing it in a movie or a TV show or a video game or whatever. And then it ends up being like, holy shit, this is really cool. And that's going to be good timing for the anthology, too, because, you know, Stranger Things is so popular. For yeah, talking about that, like, oh, there's a book about Kate Bush. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's. I'd have to ask Evan if that resulted in a boost in sales or anything, but I sure hope it would. I yeah. hope that, that would inspire people to like. People should really read that book. It's super cool, and uh, they did I a fantastic that, job. The cool. Yeah, the cover is great. They did a fantastic job putting it together. It's again like just a, a stellar table of contents in there. And I, I know you didn't publish it, but something like that, it's very niche and specific. Do you ever, would you, are you as a publisher ever worry about something being so specific, like it wouldn't reach a broader audience, like only Kate Bush fans would read it necessarily and wouldn't reach, you know, more readers, something like yeah. that? Cause you did what, Misfits? Yeah. Misfits. misfits yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that, it's interesting when you do something like that because that is a consideration for sure. But mm-hmm. then you also like with the myth, and I don't know if this will pan out, like how this is done. Or heads dance with the Kate Bush one, but with the Misfits book, a bunch of people who wouldn't have bought a weird punk book in general bought yeah. that because they're like rabid Misfits fans. So it worked right? the other way around then. Yeah, so it's like people who wouldn't normally read it, read things in, you know, like in small press in general, were like, oh, cool, I'm going to buy this. Okay. Uh, so even if even if it might end up alienating your like general horror readers because it's so specific, 
I think it can also, if you can tap into the audience of the thing you're paying tribute to, you can end yeah. up selling, you know, at least some copies to them. And that's something that I've worried about to a minor degree with Stories of the Eye, where I'm like, this is a, like a very, I mean, I love it. I'm so excited that we're doing this book and that Joe came up with this idea. Uh, but it is something like, how do I sell this to people? Yeah. Like, is it stories about artists and models? It's like, do I? I, I still think you're going to get a different audience because of the name i think yeah. that's gonna yeah yeah that's gonna play in your in your favor i think because i hope so yeah it's it's definitely a thing of like just figuring out like where the inside group on that one's gonna be between yeah. horror fans and people who want to read about horror stories involving art <laughs> right. which i'm sure, sure there are many but it's also finding them anything you yeah. put out half the battle is finding the people who want to read it and i don't even think have... about the opposite like the Kate Bush fans would come read it. So I wasn't yeah. even thinking about it that way. So that's, that's a good point. Let me ask you, as we start to wind down some here, let me ask you this. Do you have anything in any, any uh, story right now from someone that you're just sitting on waiting to release and maybe introducing them to the world in a way? Like I, I know, I knew about Eric LaRocca before his huge book you did. Yeah. I didn't know Maria Abrams, oh, but sure. now she's blowing up. I kind of knew Ali C, but I, I kind of want to say the book that she did through Weird Punk got her more notoriety. So it's almost like, you know, you're releasing some of these books for some of these writers that are be are blowing up. They're, they're becoming, they're getting bigger things. So let us in on a secret. Do you have any? Do you have something sitting there, and you're just waiting for the right time? I, I, is, is Jay hinting at his own stuff? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did maybe no. someone like me send you anything <laughs> that you're waiting to put out? No, uh, it, it is. It's interesting because I don't have anything on deck, but I do have uh, some books in my like for consideration pile. Yeah, I said mm -hmm. like ten or twelve in there. Uh, and a couple of them are like would be the person's first solo book. Okay. Uh, and I don't know if it'll pan out that way, but uh, either that I'll publish it or it'll end up being their first work because they might have other out work out there with other right, presses, yeah. even if I do pick it up. But um, yeah, I, I I've invited. Like, I, I guess I don't want to say too much about that because there's one specific book. <laughs> I put you on a spot, I know, but stay. <laughs> I simply haven't read yet, but it's from a writer who has been in, who is in a, a weird punk anthology whose work I fell in love with. Uh, I invited her to write a novella that she's still working on. And she also was like, oh, I have this short story collection. Do you want to read it uh, now that you're doing collections? And I was like, fuck yes. I just haven't gotten to it yet. But without having like signed the contract or, or accepted it. I don't <laughs> yeah. want to name. I got, I got you. I got you. Uh, but it is a thing where I've invited an okay amount of people over time who, and maybe it wouldn't be their first book. It'd be their second book, but like writers who I know and like, and think could do something that I would want to publish. I've invited an okay amount of people to submit to me where i'm still like hoping like is that ever going to come through my inbox yeah <laughs> yeah well i mean so how do you feel about like what i just said like let, let's you know eric laraca is is huge now you yeah. know and, and you have the rights to saying hey I, I i published you know the book that blew up right yeah and maria abrams she she just uh released a, a novel with clash yep 
you know, and it's got, it's got some steam. And so yeah, she's, yeah. she's got, she's showing up. Yeah. You can say, Hey, I, I released her debut Nirvana. You know, you could, you could lay claim to kind of, you know, getting, getting their names out there, you know, so, so that's, that's like that's discovering kinda, an artist kind of right. I mean, I, you know, I'm not saying, you know, you just, discovered them because i mean they did the the, the writing but yeah you, know, you opened the door there and now we these are some of the names joe cornell you know it's because you now we know about her and i read the mud ballot and then it's great so i'm looking forward to other stuff so you know what i mean so you have to you have to you know kind of punch He's trying your to get you to pat bit. yourself on the back yeah like, come yeah. on do that i would i would you like gotta, you gotta pump your chest a little bit and say yes I, I, these, these are my people. <laughs> I feel really good about collaborating with and helping give the opportunities to have those books come out into the world. Look at that PC answer. <laughs> I, I don't want to take credit for any of it. No, no, I, I know. I know what you're saying. I know. Like these, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where I think I, I honestly have a hard time, even in terms of marketing the books by relying on prior books to market them. Yeah. Uh, like in the wake of the success of things have gotten worse. I'm like, do I now, every time I put out a book in like press releases or whatever, be like from the publishers of the acclaimed <laughs> things yeah. have gotten worse since we right. last spoke by Eric LaRocca, the original version, like, or, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, I don't, I, I think I just have a hard time with that where I like, I want the work to stand on its own, like each work, each piece to be the thing and not uh yeah then you become like a like movie producers you yeah. know like from the producers of right, right. Uh, big bang theory here comes yeah. you know young sheldon which is or you know something like that yeah. so yeah i never want to do that i feel like yeah. if i go down this road long enough if i keep if i go from the from the publisher of blah 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 next thing you know i'm going to be publishing a whole young sheldon book <laughs> and the world is going to be so much worse because of what i've brought to it <laughs> it's like 15 years later you're still using that talking about that one book you published 15 yeah. years ago yeah, yeah exactly i i just I don't know. I marketing is gross. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's weird to say that as a business owner, as somebody who's my part of my job as publisher, right? Is to get the work out there, is to get the yeah. books in front of people, is to get some some re reviewers to read it, to get people to to galvanize around it if they think it's good and help bolster it. And uh, the the actual like marketing aspect of that is the most soulless, awful thing, <laughs> and I try my best to never do it in any kind of like sleazy or like I'm not it's like uh, you got your trench coat on like hey kids look at my books <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I, I I love the is it like William Castle like the Tingler like these you're gonna be shocked or like yeah. bring your bring your fucking vomit bag to the screening like those old <laughs> kind of sleazy producers i i respect that but i could never do that <laughs> I, I i could just i could just picture you like you're 80 you're in a nursing home and you're like i remember when i released this one put put me on a map put me on and people were like what did you take your pills today you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> i didn't want to ask to wrap up like i know Last time we talked, this one was out, but it hadn't been out for very long. Yeah. How did the success of this one change Weird Punk at all? Like, do you feel like this one being so popular helped get other books from Weird Punk seen more or anything like that? Or not on the level that I hoped it would. 
mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, you know, I really thought with the success of that, because I'm like, I'm that person, right? If I read a book that I really like from a small press, I go, well, this is cool. What other books did they put out? Right. Yeah. If I like when I, I came, I came out of punk, like I'm a, you know, I grew up in the fucking eighties and nineties before internet where you're like scanning liner notes to mm-hmm. what bands do they think I'll buy yeah, that. Who they think you bought those. Yeah. yeah. So like what label put this out? I'll look for that label's right. other records. So like, that's me. Mm-hmm. And most people don't do that. And so I really hope that with that book being in so many hands, people who liked it would be like, well, fuck, what else did this later? What mm-hmm. else did this publisher put out? And I think there was some of that, but not any super sizable amount, not in any super noticeable amount. Um, uh-huh. It definitely changed how I do things in that it sold so many copies that for the next roughly year, I don't have to have a job. Uh, I'm just living off of... I can't complain about that. Yeah, like between that and other stuff, like other you know mm-hmm. books, but that was the big one that made that possible. And it happened at the right time because I lost my job. And then right. when unemployment dried up, it was about when I started getting payments for that. Uh, so that like changed that aspect where this is all I do. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was also really stressful because I was I went from having you know a handful of orders a, a week in the in the store like. I don't know. I know you'd be, you were sold out all the time. You're like, oh, yes. put more yeah. in the shop soon. Yeah. Put more in the shop yeah. soon. Yeah, it was like I used to be like a normal week. I'd be selling, you know, a normal trip to the post office would be like five to ten packages. And I'd go a couple times a week. And mm-hmm. after that book came out, it was like I was going to the post office with 50 or 100 packages. I would like I would buy more and I started buying more than I usually buy. Once a book is out and I've done all the pre-orders and the sub clubs, moving forward, I buy a case at a time. And when uh-huh. it starts to get into like 10 or below or 15 or below, I'll buy a new case. So I constantly have them on hand. That one I was buying like two or three cases at a time and then adding them to the web store. Right. Even being like, I have ordered the copies. They're not here yet. <laughs> you order this now, it'll be like an extra week before I ship right. it out. Yeah, please by be patient time, with me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You were selling out the ones you didn't even receive yeah, yet. By you the were... time those like two or three cases would show up, I would have twelve left. Yeah. And yeah. I would have to I'd spend an entire day packing those orders. And then like because I'm not I don't a total monster be like three or four <laughs> the post office. Because I do everything by like Jay knows I do everything I by yeah. hand. I don't print labels. I go to the post office and they print the labels for so me. You got carpal tunnel from this book. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I do. I did. Like, it was awful. I mean, was, I say awful, but it was also great, but it was stressful. But so then yeah. I'd be like, send everything out. And by the time everything's out, I'd be like, fuck, I forgot to order two more cases. <laughs> two more cases and it would sell out. And it was just this insane. Nonstop ball like, rolled down the hill. Like, oh, we wanted to do something tonight. Sorry, honey. I have to pack a hundred orders. Yeah. <laughs> and just like have the TV on packing orders till two in the morning. Yeah. Uh, so it was and it's it's hard to complain about that success, but it yeah. also was stressful. Uh, it, it took a little bit of a toll. I think that's why it took me so long. It's taking me so long this year, is I honestly feel like I'm still had to catch your breath. Yeah, like catching right. the breath from all that intensity and then with uh like eric 
got the Titan deal and I don't mm-hmm. have the rights to the book anymore. I don't, the weird punk book is everybody knows is out of print. I still mm-hmm. get emails. It says it's out of print. How can a print on demand book be out of print? <laughs> it's out of print because it doesn't exist anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, tell them to go to eBay. One of our, I won't say yeah. who, one of our friends sold their copy on eBay for like 150 bucks the other day. Holy shit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's, there's, don't people still might be able to do that i'm not sure but because the maybe now that people know the version's coming out in september maybe not but uh you want the og yeah i so that was really cool uh but it was really stressful and then eric taking the you know within their rights and how i have the contract is the author can take the remove the rights at any time i request Mm -hmm. a year but I'm not going to hold them to it. And it's mostly for me, if like somebody's unhappy, uh, I don't want to keep them held in a prison, you know, right. that they're unhappy. Yeah. I always want the, you know, I try to be a really author friendly press, but also that allows the big press comes knocking. Uh, they can take their work to them. And, you know, I, and Eric and I have talked about this. some. you know, I sincerely wish that they hadn't taken it from weird punk. Uh mm-hmm. Not and it's you know it's hard to be um, like not looking out for my, looking out for my old self interest with that right like obviously that book made money and oh, yeah weird punk to be my full time job for a while uh, but it's also just I thought we were doing something really fucking cool right mm-hmm. the two of us like fucking Boston and Minneapolis two people and that is it. Put out a book that ran circles around your standard large press. Uh, uh, yeah. Because you don't ever see small press books do that numbers yeah. like at all. Not even it, close. Yeah. It sold like 30,000 copies in five months. It, it, and not just that. It just had so many people talking about yeah. it too. Yeah. You know, and, and good, bad, whatever. Yeah. Any any publicity is good publicity. I mean, yeah. that to me. So yeah, people were sure. talking about it. People were talking about it. People want to know why other people are yeah. pissed off about it. Yeah. So we're yeah. reading it, you know. Yeah. So yeah. It's like the the books in the freezer podcast TikTok. I'm sure it went up, but she had like 500,000 views on her TikTok talking about this book, yeah. which is yep. insane. My, my review of it on my channel has got close to 6,000 views just mm-hmm. for that, and the close yeah. the next closest one is like 500 views. Yeah, I me. believe it. I mean, you that's. Know, even- that's even the the sales level, right? Like that was like yeah. thirty thousand. The other, like, I mean, I think a couple of the other weird punk books have cracked a thousand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's the disparate nature, and those are like you know potentially been well, up for years. So, so let me let me ask you this: We're going to wrap it up here soon, but along the same lines, that you said you had hoped that with the the, uh, the success of that one, more people would be like, "Hey, I want to check out these other things." And that didn't really happen, but did are you starting to get more interest and people wanting to release their stuff through you now because of that yeah that is definitely a thing um like wider audience of writers especially is aware and Mm -hmm. i think that there are some people who think that like because that happened if they if i put out their thing that means it'll happen again several books that came out after that didn't do that so like this wasn't me this was a combination of forces, you know, that like we were able to finagle this happening. And like, what do you, what do you think it was about that? That blew up the way it did. Like, not that it's a bad book. Like I enjoyed it, but yeah, yeah. not that I've enjoyed the other weird press books and sure. they didn't do the same numbers. Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of it had to do with, 
the, I mean, obviously Eric's career was kind of on this rise. Mm -hmm. Uh, The book is really well written and the synopsis I think pulled people in. There's a lot of nostalgia right now for the early thousands. So I think that got some readers in the door, just that alone. The fucking title is great. And obviously that cover art, the the number of reviews that I saw that was like, I bought this book because of the cover art, the cover art of the title or the cover art, the title and the description, like that sold the book more than anything. And then it just got in front of the right people at the right time. And those people with bigger audiences told their audiences and those people told their audiences. And like we, somebody tweeted it, uh, and it had like over a hundred thousand likes on the tweet, just about, it was the cover and it said, I don't know who it was. I don't remember, but somebody tweeted it. We had a massive following. It just was the cover and said, I know nothing about this book, but based on the cover art and the title, I want to read it. And yeah. like, we saw like that day an influx again of sales. <laughs> just, yeah. you, so you basically just captured lightning in a bottle. Everything was yeah, just perfect just, timing everything for that. Everything came together in a weird way that like, I couldn't replicate if I tried my damnedest, I would like to, I would like to replicate something and I would like to have, you know, more things. There's no need to do that, but like grow the press to make more things even approach anywhere near that. Um, Yeah. Obviously is the, the the whole thing is getting the books in people's hands. That's Mm -hmm. why I do this. I put out books that I love because I want other people to read them. That's like the only, I, when I was like 20, I wanted to start a press, but I had no idea how to do it. And, yeah. uh, you know, that was 19 fucking years ago. <laughs> and here I am finally doing it. And the whole thing is just like, there's really cool stuff out there that people aren't getting published. There's really cool stuff out there that it just isn't getting seen. Like, how yeah. can we make this stuff get into the world and get it in front of people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, we're going to start wrapping it up here because I know... You're t- you look tired. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I, it's been a rough week. You, you yeah, know, a, few, a couple of days without power, but you know, we're, he's we're been back. on that con trail. He's been going Stoker Con and all kinds <laughs> and, uh, of stuff. Yeah, did he, you go to? Uh, did you I go think to? We're all exhausted. No? So, I I didn't go to Ghoulish. Okay. I I had uh, signed up to table Ghoulish, and then I had to pull out last minute just because some stuff came up. My, I know you've been at, at a bunch of cons recently, so I didn't know which ones you've yeah. been to. Yeah, I was gonna I was planning on doing that and I unfortunately couldn't. And then I was planning on doing Killer Con and unfortunately cannot do that now either. Uh mm-hmm. so both the Texas con the Texas <laughs> uh and it was you know part of it is just like the price of airline like oh, yeah. tickets probably gone up. skyrocketed and after I drove to oh, I drove to Williamsburg and back alone. Uh, yeah, we did that. I did author con alone, and then my my girlfriend came with me to Denver. That was also like a, not quite as big of a drive, but also a really big drive back. And I was like, various reasons, including money and the it's exhausting. Are, I was yeah. like, I can't do another three day drive right now. Um, yeah, but I am. I wrapping it up. I am. One more thing that's happening this year is me and a group of writer friends who I will tell you who in one second. Uh, are doing a mini writer tour, read like okay. reading tour, like really? a DIY punk rock horror reading tour. So everyone's getting in the van and you're going. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, think, oh, yeah. I want to know. I want to know. Band, but we're a bunch of writers, so uh, this will be Labor Day weekend. Uh, so like the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, with Labor Day being the Monday. 
Yeah. And uh, we're uh, Thursday. We're going to be in Pittsburgh. We haven't nailed down a location yet. Uh, Friday, we're going to be at Conquest Books in Ashland, North Carolina, which is where one of the guys is from, and he runs the bookstore. Uh, okay. Saturday, we're going to be in Columbus. We're still trying to nail down a venue for that. Mine, and Mike Columbus. We're going to be in Columbus. Columbus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you got to let me know. I'm, I'm yeah, man. It'll be awesome. And then uh, Sunday, we'll be in Chicago, and we're going to, we just nailed it down that we're uh, Bucket of Blood, the horror bookstore in Chicago, was gracious enough to be super into it. So we're going to read there. And nice. uh, it's me, obviously. Uh, and <laughs> Edwin Callahan, who runs Gravely Unusual magazine, he also right, yeah. he's the one that owns Conquest Books in Ashland. Uh, Evan Shelton, who does the Lurking Transmission podcast. Mm -hmm. And the two of them collectively run Castain Publishing. Uh, okay. Matthew Mitchell, who does the Horrorium comic. Mm -hmm. uh, Justin Lutz, who is he's up for a Splatterpunk Award for his story in Teenage Grave. Uh, and then Michael Titchy, who's also a horror writer who's around and in a bunch of anthologies and stuff. So the five of us are piling into a fucking van <laughs> with uh, suitcases mostly full of books and a few clothes. Now, and now, now I'm, I'm sure I'm sure the van in 2022 is a lot more luxurious than the I, van in the 70s the punk yeah. rock bands <laughs> drove in definitely more luxurious than a yeah. van in the 70s but i think the van <laughs> we're driving is a 2001 uh okay, we're, we're getting close then we're gonna be putting some road miles on that so hopefully it doesn't break down the window no shack no shack carpet in that one yeah. <laughs> no lightning bolt unicorn painted on the side oh, we should do that we should make a stop to get oh that you, you really there. should Get an air, you, you yeah, get should, an airbrush. You get, yeah, you should get like an. Oh, there you like go. Whole, you all, it has to be all you all, and your your shirts are off, and you're jacked. You're like riding unicorns. And, yes, yes. Oh my god, like a Mano War <laughs> album cover. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> nice. And then you can auction the van off at the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take this van that doesn't work anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's got so many smog issues. It's like <laughs> we'll pass yeah. inspection. Exactly. That sounds awesome. So Jay, you'll get to meet some writers because you always yeah. complain that nothing ever happens close to you. <laughs> well, they, yeah, they do. It's just yeah. Okay. Yeah, you gotta let me know about that. So yeah, yeah. yeah we'll, once we'll, once we nail down a date, we're trying to. We've got a few venues we've reached out to. Uh, yeah, we're trying. To, or we have the date. We're just trying to nail down a spot right. to do it. And it's Jay's backyard. Weird, yeah, yeah. It's one of those weird things where I don't know, like, is anyone gonna come to any of these? <laughs> like you, I got, have, you got one in Columbus. I know. I, yeah, we have one in Columbus. I have friends in Chicago, so I have a feeling that uh we'll have at least some like all of us know at least a few people in Chicago. Uh and I have like I don't know, an okay amount of friends there. So we'll at least some of them, unless they're out of town or busy, will hopefully show up. But yeah, it'll be it'll be really interesting. I've never like who does this? But we're just like, <laughs> like this is a, a group of people who I've become friends with just like on Twitter and stuff. And I've uh, Castain or uh, like gravely unusual. And, uh, Edwin and Evan put out the in the shadow of the horns black metal anthology that I had a story in, and I was in a issue five of gravely unusual uh, last year, two years ago. Like we've just kind of become friends from like being in stuff together and doing stuff together. Uh, and we all went to AuthorCon. And basically spent the entire weekend hanging out with each other. And yeah. then have just like we're doing a writer thing right now where we meet typically every week and we talk about what we're working on and 
hang out and just talk shop and it's been really cool and we're like fuck it what if we went on a weird tour that sounds cool it's not organic it just happened because well, you're buddies and, and, stuff. and you're, you're sticking to your name we're punk books I yeah mean, <laughs> yes. that's again that's weird to do that in 2022 so who's <laughs> doing that it size we're punk books so. yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> just gonna be reckless <laughs> yeah. that sounds like a good time man yeah, yeah, hopefully. I'll, I'll have more details as we get these developed. We're going to make flyers and whatnot, but yeah. Oh, you, you got to get the, the old-fashioned uh, flyers to put up on telephone poles. Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. Get, get, like the pink copies and the red copies <laughs> and yellow copies. They're all the same and just staple yeah. them up. Yeah, yeah fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we could do this. It's like a ground uh, uh, ground roots campaign here to get, get it all out. So. Yeah. All right, we're going to we're going to wrap it up here. We're going to we're going to let everybody get to sleep and, and do what we got to do. This was fun. This, this was, was super fun. Thanks for letting was... me go way over time. Oh, <laughs> no, we, we, we don't have, we don't have a time. Yeah, trust me, we don't. We don't. But uh, Sam Richard, everyone, we're Punk Books. I, I, I think we've said it all tonight. I yep. mean, Brad will have the uh, uh, look. Me, I'm lost for words. The web address <laughs> down below. You know, yeah, and, all the all the fun stuffs down in the. Oh, and of course, you can books. catch him on Instagram and uh, and Twitter yeah. as usual. You know, he's always hanging out, and, and uh, that's it. <laughs> I don't know what else. I think we covered everything in this yeah, in the yeah, show. Really but, yeah. <laughs> All right, that's uh, the end of it. That's another exciting episode of Paper Cuts. As always, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate everyone stopping by. Until we meet again, for Sam Richard, that's Brad over there. That over there. Which way? We're done, guys. <laughs> Cheers. Have a good night, man. Thank you. Love you, Jay.